0: welcome back everybody this is episode 22 of no story left behind and i know it's been close to a year since last time we put out an episode it's just been a little wild um Myself moving and Josh also moved as well. Steve had some job changes there, and we just really didn't have the time to get out some new content uh, for new episodes for you, unfortunately. But however, we're back, and this week Josh and Steve we actually, for the first time, we all got down together in the same room and joined me out here at Blind Ninja studio Studio EC. We just sat down and had a chat about whatever it came up, talked a little bit about what's been going on. Uh, Josh and Steve kind of went back, you know, started talking about their career in the military and stuff. And a little bit of a preview of what you can expect on future episodes coming up here shortly, I hope. Other than that, uh, thank you for being so patient and I can't wait to get some more stuff out to you soon this year. Otherwise I'll shut up and hope you enjoy. Feel bad, you know, reaching out to somebody like, Hey, do you mind doing this? I'll pay you an exposure. You well,
1: know? <laughs> oh, are we co hosts are we co hosts? Yeah, you know, I mean we can we can help out with yep. that dude. All
2: right.
1: Well Got a Not to cheer my a horn, but I know a lot of people. I got, former, <laughs> I got a
2: former manager who's in a metal band that plays around the cities. Fuck yeah, that's that's, that's, that's dope. a fucking that. bassist, and it's like it's like a hardcore like like death metal band. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Sounds like they all gargle battery acid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've, I, he's, his band's on Spotify, but I'm blanking on the name of it right now.
0: And that that's the other issue I have, is that I've listened to so many, like, when I originally was doing this, the starting off, like, the intro music for our way that we used to use, I was really into bluegrass for that time period. Yeah. Now, I'm, I, I still listen to bluegrass stuff and, like, the you know, Western-style country but like the Dead South and like, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Coulter Wall. Yeah, Colter a lot, And the storytelling. Devil Makes Three. Yeah, Tyler Chill. I saw Devil yeah. Makes Three and uh, House of Blues Great out in Cleveland. Band. They were a band. lot of fun. But now, you know, I've been diving headfirst into, like, a lot of death metal oh. and, and stuff like that. Entered and
1: like, turning into a darker period. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh not everybody wants to... uh you know, hear that as an intro. So yeah, the just you like,
1: can keep it eclectic. You can do a whole bunch of different stuff. Yeah. It, no story left behind. It, every yeah. single veteran has their own style of music. Yeah. It doesn't have right. to stick with one
0: thing. Right. And the, well, my big thing is that I, if I if I had GarageBand on my own computer, I could do it in my own time. I could yeah. just sit there and listen to oh, hey, guitar's cool, and go down every single line of them. Yeah. I just feel bad eating up somebody else's time doing all that. I'll talk to Nate. Yeah.
2: I'll talk to Nate. He, he lives just about a mile away from us. That was my favorite part of the Army, because like everyone comes from different backgrounds. Yeah. And I had a squad leader when I was overseas who was from Washington Park, which is a eastern section of St. Louis. It's yeah. right by Ferguson. like yeah, It's a really yeah. fucking shitty area. And he was like, you know, if we saw each other in the street, we probably wouldn't even acknowledge each other. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's what I love about the Army. Like, Yeah, and that's what got me thinking. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right. And I'm like... See, used, maybe I, i'm a little maybe i am a little racist <laughs> maybe i should examine that
1: i always try to go out and break those fucking norms down man yeah because it does you a favor and it also yeah. does it like we were just down in south carolina and freaking this packed restaurant we were sitting at an oversized table i had like you know there were three of us and it was a table for six people and this young black couple come walking in and they were sitting there and they were obviously like you know fuck you know yeah it was, it was at it was at the evening you know, hour's time to eat and stuff and so i just looked at them, and i'm like hey man you want to go european style you guys want to sit with us and she looked at him and he looked at her and they're like sure why not you know Yeah. And so they sat down <laughs> they're from they're local you know and yeah. so i'm sitting there and they're they're looking at us and we're just gabbing back and forth and you know and, they looked at us y'all talk funny where are you from? you <laughs> uh, guys from Canada?
0: <laughs>
1: no oh, not close from Canada. Close. Yeah, yeah. close but not from Canada Yeah, back where we come best fighting were just <laughs> you so, you right
0: <laughs> yeah got that a lot went out to uh, Colorado for Ian's wedding Ian and Caitlin's wedding and they had friends from California there yeah. and like and they started chuckling like what? what's so funny I, what, what, is it something I said they're like oh you sound like you're from the movie Fargo yeah like hold up now yeah. <laughs> that's too yeah, states I'm not a Hooper. Okay? yeah that's <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: funny though because you can turn it on and off like you can talk like a youper if you want to you know
3: yeah most no. people don't even
1: realize it but it turns out this this young black girl she was in the army she freaking just gotten out and stuff and so we were nice. chatting about that and we were freaking yeah. you know kind of changed a little bit of their perceptions and stuff you know and it was kind of cool it was a fun time blew about $150 on the whole freaking the dude it was like yeah,
2: that was cool you know? <laughs> I hate when that happens That <laughs> was like I that, that dude yeah, was like that, I mean he was I, you know he, everyone that you meet in the army like, like to pretend that like they're like hard mm. like they're some kind of badass and then you find out that they're from like a rich suburb of whatever city yeah, they're uh, actually from he was he was the one that I met that actually was was fucking hard and you can tell because, like, he doesn't get, like, animated when he tells stories. He's just like, yeah, this is this thing that happened when
0: I grew up. Yeah. And we're like,
2: holy shit, that's fucked up. It was, yeah. like, he <laughs> was like his <laughs> uncle was high on crack and raped his sister, and him and his brother beat the fucking shit out of his uncle or something like that. He just told it, like, that's a thing that happened. And we're all like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but he, justice, he was, that's real. he was like, he'd been demoted a couple times because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. But he, he was back up to E5. And like just hanging out with him, there's like two or three things that he said that he said to me that like just stuck with me when I became a leader. Like, he was probably the best NCO I've ever worked for. When, when did you retire, I I NCO? I didn't retire. Well, I got out yeah, after you know, five or, years. Yeah, I got out as a, I got out as a sergeant Which who'd is, been doing a staff sergeant for staff sergeant's job for a year. <laughs> but they took that promotion board and dangled it in front of me. And it's like, hey, if you re enlist, my first sergeant straight up said to me, hey, as soon as you re enlist, they'll send you to the promotion board. And I'm like, thanks for making my decision. I'm, eat getting, a the, dick, I'm getting the fuck out. Like, would, I've, already, I've been it. doing the job for a year better than two of the other staff sergeants in this fucking platoon. Oh, they did yeah, I before I retired yeah. And I, I told
1: him point blank like this is the last job I'm ever going to do in the, in the yeah the, you know I did I did not want to go to Sergeant major school well yeah that was a three-year commitment you yeah. know and my body was just kind of like I don't think that's a great idea <laughs> you know so I was like yeah I'm, I'm I'm done yeah I'll be a first sergeant I that is the rank that I want to do so <laughs> I went into the NCO Corps, you know and I was like yeah you know
2: I felt I felt good about that like I've been I'd been a sergeant for two years I'd, I'd done team leader and a substantial amount of squad leader time like I had another the other the other main dismounted squad leader in our platoon had been a he had been a staff sergeant since 2006 and it was 2014 at this point point. and I'm like shit man I was in high school in 2006 like how come you were not? He started first class yet, like yeah. you're a fucking outstanding NCO, and he's like, I don't want to be a sergeant first class. And he's yeah. like, I don't want to start like doing more paperwork and not dealing with people. So what he would do was, I don't know what the requirements are in National Guard, but for active you have like there's a fucking checklist. Yeah i just say this is right. something yeah. Well I know they don't have promotion boards, at least in reserves reserves didn't yeah. have promotion boards. National
1: Guard National, Guard, does? National okay. Guard did. Well at least Wisconsin did. I don't know. Okay. They, 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 mod- they
2: modeled it Yeah after. it's weird it kind of varies by but where you're at. It's all but,
1: changed now. Like the, the NCOES the yeah. um the, the rating like they changed, they switched it over to the officers, the way that like how the officers got rated and the economy yeah. rate Like your best guy, you can only rate him as your best guy for his first you know, it's it's super convoluted and and confusing and and mixed up and and chalk that up to another reason why I'm glad I got the fuck out, you know.
2: (laughs) um, but yeah, he but he like it. had this whole checklist of shit that he had to do and he just refused to take his official DA photo. So no matter so he checked yeah. every other box and they would always try yeah. to promote him he'd be yeah. like, I don't have, I a, have DA a DA photo, photo <laughs> well, So he sat it at What's so it? he sat at at Staff Sergeant they the eventually got him the army photo. So in, you have to be in your you have to be in your classes, yeah, dress yeah,
1: uniform. Think of like glamour shots for
2: the army. They finally they did finally get him. Um, but it took them. Like he was a start, he was a staff sergeant for at least a decade. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite rank. Yeah, staff sergeant. I, was my favorite. The, the ironic thing is, if it. they promoted me, I probably would have stayed in for a couple yeah. more years as, as a staff sergeant because I loved being a squad leader. Yeah, squad leader was the best. I loved was being was a best. squad leader. You had a little bit of freaking leeway. And, I had and, I had and two and, great I had two great NCOs as team leaders under me. Hmm. Um, one who I got to promote, which was which was great because he was a fucking outstanding NCO. I had a good squad, and if they had just said like, "Hey, we'll send you the promotion board," and because I, I mean, boards are boards are bullshit. And, like if I make it in the room and pass the board, they're just they're fucking they're bullshit. So, and if, if they'd sent me and I'd gotten let me get that promotion, I probably would have at least signed for another three years. But because they were like dangling in front of me and doing this quid pro quo nonsense, I was like, "I'm out." Yeah. I'll just I'll go get my degree and do something else. <laughs> answer your question. I was yeah. in for twenty
1: years. Wait so a little. Yeah little over 20 years yeah. I timed it out perfect I was supposed to go to my last I went to my last formation and everything and um my <clears throat> command wasn't really too happy with me at the time so cause I was like yeah, <clears throat> I basically said fuck you I'm, I'm out I'm done you know do I have to do this at the end and, Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I got my letter, man. I'm out. Yeah, there's nothing you uh, can do. I'm out.
0: Dd two fourteen.
1: Dd two fourteen, yeah. the yeah, I think dd two three four is your actual return and paperwork that you get. and Then you get the honorable yeah. discharge. I finally Here. just got
2: that because I yeah, I signed forever, up. Man. I signed up for more IRR when I hit my eight years, just because I was like, I thought I wanted to do the the officer route eventually, so I was like, this will be easier if I'm you know don't have to go through maps again. Yeah. I'll just do IRR. And then after like a year and a half, I was like, yeah, I'm not going back in. But that finally expired beginning of January. And like three weeks later, I got my honorable discharge mm-hmm. in the mail. I'd stopped talking to the guy who was texting me like months before. <laughs> well, I, I made an effort with him, but he'd be like, hey, we should meet for like the yearly thing. And I was like, cool, can you do this week? And he'd be like, No. And then he text me like two months later and say the same thing and eventually yeah, I was like oh, mean, dumb, man. Yeah, like you're no. just you're just checking a box like I'm <laughs> I'm not putting in the effort anymore you
1: know,
2: and that's the goofy thing is
1: like you know it's like trying to get a freaking uh, 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 ID card to show my retired status you know it's just it's the the amount of red tape that you have to go through you, know, you got a schedule an appointment and then you go to the appointment no the guy was sick and didn't show up today. So, you know, well, you guys are four weeks out, you know. Plus, it was it was almost impossible during the pandemic. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. you know, during the pandemic, they weren't like the army went full, just freaking crazy scared about COVID-19, you know. They were, pretty, they were pretty anal. Right? <clears throat> they were. They were super anal about it. You know, <laughs> it would be funny because, like, you'd go to a sporting event and nobody's wearing a mask except for the four guys down there in the color guard. <laughs> you know, they're all masked up and everything. It was like, oh, you poor guys. I feel bad for you. Ha, ha, ha. You know, laugh at them,
3: <laughs> shit.
2: You know? I mean, they should. They're probably uh, relaxing it now. Yeah. Because it's like, what... Hospital admissions are down like sixty-six percent or something. It was—it was a lot. Honestly, i i quit I quit keeping track
1: of it. I, I reached a saturation point. I, I, so I only last, think last we... time I saw you when we, when you came over to our place yeah. in Hudson. God, that was, was like a year and a half ago. Longer than that, even. Maybe. when it was. I I got it in October. Two summers? Two summers ago? Yeah. That's... So when when it was first coming out, because Jenny had yeah. it that June before. Yeah. And then I got it in October and that was the last time I had seen you yeah you um, know it, it fucked me up pretty bad yeah and after I recovered from it you know and I could start smelling shit again you know I was like I don't care anymore yeah. and, you know yeah I, I got I really it. don't care anymore and I'm pretty sure I had it again I'm pretty sure I did but at this point I was like you know I,
0: I don't care anymore I got it once yeah. it was October 2020 yeah yeah because um, I woke you up it right after I did
1: no was it yeah I think maybe it was because everybody that was at my house that
0: day <laughs> of course except yeah. my wife because she already at it but yeah. everybody got COVID yeah. but I woke up on a it was like a Tuesday morning and I had like the sniffles you know stuffy yeah. nose whatever yeah, it feels But feels like the first time like the allergies yeah. yeah I threw the heat on for the first time that year yeah. that night so I jocked it up you know dust being kicked up whatever no big deal by lunch, I had full-blown fever, yeah. chills, the body ache, like my joints felt there was fucking concrete in them. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, then did
1: you get the lethargic? Like really yeah. Lethar- like you yeah. couldn't think straight? And you're yeah. Just like, oh,
0: and yeah. I, you know, at the time I was managing 300, 400 accounts. And I would get 50, 60 phone calls a day. Plus I'm seeing, you know, 15, 20 people a day. And I'm trying to keep all that shit straight in my head, and I just, you know, I have a conversation 10 minutes later, I'm trying to, what, what did we just talk about, paint, uh, shit, you yeah. know, but by noon, it's like, I, I called the store manager that I work with, I'm like, hey, I'm going home, this isn't called. good, like, yeah. yeah. And I, I got lucky, I got into the drive-through testing the next morning, and even the nurse, I mean, she comes out in the full hazmat gear. Yeah. And she stops and looks out. you know, as I roll down my window so she could do the nose swab, she stops and goes, are you sure you don't want to come inside? We do have beds available. Yeah. yeah, Unfortunately I've had worse. (laughs) But yeah, let's just get this over with. But yeah, the fever kicked my ass for five days straight. So the thing that
1: I thought was the weirdest about it,
0: so I I had the same thing happen. I I, I just
1: the body ache was insane, the fever yeah. was insane. And um and to me it felt like bronchitis. I thought I had bronchitis, you know, so I called in to work a couple of oh, days. Oh, that
2: shit sucks.
0: Yeah. I've had
1: that it was the that same sucks. thing, you know. So I and never
0: noticed any breathing <laughs> issues
2: and I have I had
1: breathing I, I had breathing issues later on. Yeah. And the breathing issue like Jenny got COVID and pneumonia. So she was in the hospital for four days. Yeah. Yeah. Which was scary as fuck, you know. But anyways so I didn't rent I was just like I got up in the morning I'm trying to gut, I'm, you know suck it up and drive on man I'm trying to I'm trying to fucking gut it off and I go in and I wake up in the morning I'm like oh god I feel like crap oh god what am I gonna do so I go to make coffee doing my normal morning routine I go to make coffee and I freaking pop open the coffee and I grind my own beans I'm a coffee Nazi yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck I can't spy shit I have COVID I couldn't taste and I felt really bad because three days on down the road I'm miserable man and like the fever hit really bad and you once that fever hits you can't do it you just lay there and you're just You're a big ball of goo of misery, you know, and you're just laying there. Yeah. And Jenny goes out and she gets like all this Italian pasta and, and freaking spicy sausage. <laughs> she makes this great Italian meatball soup. You know, trying, well, it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. And yeah. She comes in, she hands it to me, and she's like, Here, baby, here, this is for you. And I'm like, I'm. Forcing myself to eat it, you know? <laughs> she's like, "How is it?" I'm like, "It's the best chunky water I've ever had in my life." <laughs> um, it, but it stuck with me. I couldn't. I didn't have my sense of taste or smell for like a good six months after that. Man,
0: mm-hmm. you know? but yeah, that was right. That was, yeah. right See, at, that was the last time yeah, I saw. I was worried about the breathing thing because I have asthma that's bad enough as is. Yeah, but I didn't notice anything until. And you're fat. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> I haven't skipped many meals. <laughs> But
2: uh You're saying that with respect. <laughs> yeah, this, this mother this motherfucker one ate a whole once ate a whole loaf of bread at my house. We were like I was hungry. how what, we were probably like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. And he spent the night we're like we're just playing Halo. because you know, that that was a thing to do in the mid two thousands. And he's like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, here, have some bread. he like no butter no, no nothing. Bread, yeah. He just handfuls bread into his fucking face. I remember the next day my dad's like, where'd the bread go? And I'm like, we're made it. I respect Yeah, That's awesome.
0: <laughs> Plain ass bread. Eats the whole fucking wall. So of that was my big concern. And But by December, like I didn't have any breathing issues during or after. I'm like, cool, we're good. But then all of a sudden December hits, we hit that first big chill. You know, it's minus yeah. 20 outside. My car fucking froze to the point. I yeah. yeah. use propane heaters to warm it up just to get the battery so I could get into my car but I took the uh, I was taking the garbage out that's maybe 100 feet off my old back door and from the time it got there and then maybe a quarter of the way back I couldn't breathe at all like grabbed my chest crawling into my house like what the fuck and I don't have an inhaler since maybe high school (laughs) yeah. <laughs> like uh, this is not good You're, you don't keep uh, a rescue no no because it's mine is mostly I get it if I'm doing a lot of cardio okay I can run quarter mile half mile maybe before you get, like seasonal stuff because like my lungs got fucked up in Iraq
1: you know and so like I take this freaking it's like this pink disc thing that I get yeah. I, I only use it every now and then because like I started reading some of the side effects and I was like yeah Burn pits. Yeah, burn pits, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, I slept right next to one first. You yeah, yeah, on the registry? Uh, yeah.
2: Yep. Uh, I still got to do that. Uh, it's,
1: it, it's yeah. It's, it's, so yeah, it. like I came back from my Rackamillons, and almost every single person who was in that unit that I know, um still talk to, they all have lung issues as well, you know. So I got like this ad beard thing and fucking up the microphone here. <laughs> but, um, and, but I keep a rescue inhaler every now and then because oh. if like I, if I go from a really warm environment to a really
0: cold environment, dude, it's gnarly. You know, like, Below yeah, zero like, will screw yeah. me up if I'm doing, if, aside from just like normal walk around. But, you know, like I had to go deliver, I think we were pushing, me and my system went out and had to run 600 gallons out to a job site. Yeah. And that killed me. But it was also minus 32 with wind chill. But yeah. as soon as I, you know, get back and the, you know, I'm running the, the, truck and once I get back in the heat, it's fine again. Yeah. I mean, it, I'll be. I kind of. I used to be pretty good and have it all managed until I was 21, 22, got introduced to cigars. Oh, yeah. And nobody I'll told me it. not to yeah. inhale cigars, so oh, I was inhaling God. for 10, or two years and Jesus, I, I didn't think much of, of it. Yeah. yeah. And I, the, the first time I noticed that it was an issue is when I jumped in a, into into uh, the, the Saint Croix River we're just swimming off a dock and everything i got 10 feet and i thought i was gonna drown I'm like i probably shouldn't be inhaling this <laughs>
1: um, it's weird too because like most people who smoke and then they try to smoke cigars they
2: almost always try to inhale and it's yeah like, you know, i'm
1: so glad i quit smoking
0: I quit trying to swim between islands no we're uh down off a uh, buddy's place his parents okay. were kind of between hudson and Stillwater up on the bluffs but they have the the trail that goes down to their own like that. Their cul-de-sac had their own little beach area. Okay, so we are just swimming off that. So okay. those, island, awesome those islands, those islands are No, it's it's on the river. It's just north of. You can see the Saint Croix bridge or the 36 bridge from their place. They're oh, okay, right north
1: on. north of 36 there. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, people underestimate those islands. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Almost every year, you know, when I lived in Hudson, almost every year, one or two people, usually a young kid. Usually tried it, it to, to swim the channel. It the happened channel. to
2: us. Well, I've swam I've, I've swam that channel twice with uh, with with Jew. Second yeah. time we got called dumbasses. Like we were probably halfway across the river and the sky like you guys need help? Like, no we're just swimming and fucking dumbasses like <laughs> speeds
0: off like we were like nineteen at the time, but Yeah, it used to go from the high school down to the end of the dike. Yeah. And then yeah. we'd either run or bike down there, and then swim and sprint across the islands, and then reverse it. And well, that was—we um,
2: went down there when I was uh, running cross country. There was like eight of us that went down there oh, one so day, we're, you and we were swimming. When we when we weren't teepeeing your house, we, we did that a couple of times. When we weren't teepeeing your house, sorry, mom. <laughs> back to back, was not it like back to back weeks or something? Yes, too? because my mom would wake me up
0: at six thirty in the fucking morning on a Saturday to go clean them up. She's like, "Who did this?" Like, I, I don't. If it makes you feel better, I felt I felt kind of bad
2: while I was pull doing out it. The trees and just hose it down with water. Yeah, get but that septic stuff. She was mad because neighbors would see like it. So we went care. down there. So we went down there the one day, and there's like eight of us, and we swam like. Like two or three islands out and we're coming back between like two of the bigger ones where it's it's a couple hundred meters swim which doesn't sound like a lot but swimming's a lot harder than running and we're like maybe halfway, and Prue's leg cramps, oh. and he's a big dude. Yeah, like Prue is a big dude, he's and crazy. I hear him fucking yelling. And I'm I'm a good swimmer. Like I was a mediocre runner, but I was I was a really good swimmer. And I hear him fucking like screaming, and his head's going under. And I swam like 100 meters back out there, grabbed his ass around like around his neck, and I dragged him back to the island because because <laughs> his his calf had cramped and he couldn't fight he couldn't deal with it in the water. I'm like, man, what what were you gonna do if I wasn't here? Yeah. I don't know. I had my <laughs> you were gonna die. <laughs> one, of the, one of the
1: funniest times I ever scared my wife is it was it was about freaking three o'clock in the morning. And I got a freaking really bad calf cramp. And me woke me up out of a just sucks. And I freaking I came out screaming. yeah. I <laughs> ah! <laughs> well, sent my wife through the room. Go, what the fuck's going on? Shut <laughs> up, my calf. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I had my we did Tough Mutter as our charity event when I was in the fraternity. Oh, okay. And the very last thing you do, last real event—I mean, you run through the taser wires—but there's like yeah. one in ten that are active anyway. You taser jump off wires, a fifty. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> after the car battery the back bed, it wasn't shit. Uh, but you jump Light off tingle. a fifty-foot drop into a pool of water, and yeah. they have rescue divers. In court, this is and when they did in Somerset that year, it was twelve point something miles. And yeah, I mean, you go at your own pace. It's not bad. Very manageable. But I was dehydrated by the end of that. The second I hit water, I felt my calf just cramp up. My my foot is touching my ass because I can't unbend my leg. I'm just kicking myself to the the surface. And I look at the nearest safety diver, and he's about to say, are you okay? I'm like, calf cramp? Calf (laughs) cramp? He's like, Ah, it happens all the time, (laughs) Con.
2: It's hilarious. First time that happened, was I was swimming. I got done with, like... Probably a six, seven thousand yard workout. Jesus. And I'm I'm cooling down and my right calf goes and I'm just like my head's out of the water. I'm like, motherfucker. Like I'm just I'm cussing a blue Street. I'm like trying to get to the side and my left calf goes and now I'm just like fucking every other every word out of my mouth. I'm like, motherfucker son of a bitch. I get to the side and the little kids that were that swam after us are all standing there and they're all like oh. And my coach my coach is like shut up I'm like <laughs> My calves, like yeah, I'm sure. Uh, toys, toys I'm sure, a bunch, those, I'm sure a bunch of those. I'm sure a bunch of those eight year olds got an education and cussing that That shit hurts though, and like you can't, you can't do anything with that leg once it goes until you get that that cramp out. Right. No. So we did it. We did a couple of interviews for.
1: The show while we were on the pandemic, right?
0: Yeah, we did. Yeah,
1: because I was, I was still at the what house. Did we
2: had
0: we did one guy two or three. We had Joe on yeah. in April.
2: I think mean, we, we had Dakota on at one point. Yeah, the, Dakota. That's right. He was the first Zoom interview. Yeah, I did and ever. then we had... It was the first what? Zoom interview I've ever done. Oh. And then we had your, we had your buddy... Dustin. Yeah. Dustin, we had, well, just, one, yeah, we, we had the one... Yeah, I knew him. We had the one from... Well, yeah, and then we had the one from the Air Force. Yes. So, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, he was a gunner on Spooky. Yeah, yeah. Casey. Yeah. Casey, yeah, Casey uh, something yeah. I can't think of his last name now. Uh, was, was, was Nina the last one we did? Yeah, it was. It was a good one. It was. So what
1: have you guys yeah. been doing since then?
0: Uh, work? Two of us have moved. Yeah, both... I moved, uh, so I moved. Well, I got a call last September, as we're talking now, it's March. Uh, I got a call in September, my boss was like, hey, there's a spot opening up in Eau Claire, are you interested? And I said, no, not really, been there, done that, but thank you. Then they called me back two weeks later, and said, hey, we'll give you this massive brace And I said, well, since you put it that way, yeah, I kind of change, want to go to a Change player. the dynamics of the yeah, conversation. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, well, part of that was I said, well, let me go down there. I went down to where I'm at now, the new store. Well, it's not new. New for me. And met my assistant manager who has been there. He's started part-time in college. He's been with the company for four years. The staff had been there. The newest employee has been there for a year. So everybody knows what they're doing. I didn't have to re- reinvent the wheel. So that's uh, the big reason why I took it. And yeah, uh, all of a sudden got the green light in the early October from my media bosses, but then of course corporate had to get the final sign off and they took three weeks. So it went from working my job one day to, hey, you start on Monday. I go, what? Uh, <laughs> but thankfully in that three weeks it gave me a chance to tell my customers and you know, start looking for a place and everything. But yeah, that, that sucked up a lot of my bandwidth. Um, and then, of course, you, I think, we reached out. So originally we wanted to get together, what, last fall to start yeah, this new project? Yeah, uh, from, Childs. yeah, it's, uh, I just wanted to go through listening to other podcasts to kind of break down other books and stuff that have actually caused me to go and buy those books and stuff. I had the same idea with uh, Clear the Prop. Memoirs of a World War II troop carrier crew chief and the li- lifelong pilot, uh, Helmer Wishard, who I got to meet and interview back in 2020, I think it is. Is he still alive? Yeah, yeah, just turned 100 oh. back in December, so he's 99 when I met him. And he used so he's the first full-time uh, pilot instructor for Russ County ever, and of course, you know, World War II bet. And he used to go to the high school and talk to the students every, you know, I think every semester, every year or something like that. And it it must have been an administration change or maybe that teacher retired, whatever the case was. He hadn't talked to anybody in 15-ish years or so. Yeah. Um, But the reason I found out about him is because uh, one of my customers mentioned, oh, you do a podcast, blah, blah, You should talk to Elmer. I'm like, who's Elmer? And started giving me a brief description of what he's done and Mentioned he has a book. I'm like, oh, cool. So I bought the book, started reading. I'm like, holy shit, I want to meet this guy. Technically, about three books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, and and got to talk to him. And for being 99 years old, I mean, sharp as a whistle on all the stories and then some more, and got to expand on a bunch of stuff. Sorry? I don't know why I didn't know whistles were sharp. Sharp as a yeah. And uh, um, clean as a whistle, yeah. Clean as a little, yeah. yeah there yeah. yeah, yeah, we go. An yeah, attempt was made to continue. Boom. It's it, boondock saints, <laughs> boondock saints uh, <laughs> but yeah. When I was when he, up, he lives out in the outside of town, there's like three or four houses by him. And I'm pulling up, and of course, it's well, you know, Justin, uh, gauged ears, yeah. He's got p- face piercings, tattoos, gauged ears. We're both the size of Shrek. Yeah. And we're getting out of the car at this guy, this 99-year-old guy's house. Yeah. And his neighbor's like, well, who the fuck are you guys? I'm like, oh, we're here to talk to Elmer? And we're here like,
1: for the rent money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, why are you talking to Elmer? He's a crew chief back in World War II, flew all over the world, yeah. wrote a book. He goes, really? I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, the fuck? What? Yeah, he was the... I mean, he's yeah. taught a few hundred people on how to fly out of your airport here in town. And, and yeah. as, did
3: he
1: do the cast? Was he
0: in civilian air patrol or anything? No, no. Uh, he grew up in, well, born in North Dakota. Moved, his family bought a farm in Ladysmith, Wisconsin uh, area. And um, he moved down to, more, he, he wanted to enlist, but he already had two older brothers already enlisted. his parents, like, please don't enlist. He goes, that's fine. I will wait until I get the uh, the draft notice, yeah. and then I'm going to go. And yeah, was it for
1: uh, the big dance, World War Two? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And um, yeah, joined the Army Air Force, became crew chief. Mm-hmm. He's a sergeant. Came back clearly afterwards. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So clearly, yeah. I read the book. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, yeah, and the book is just about his story before, during, and after the war and yeah yeah like i said full-time first full-time instructor at Rush county and taught uh, several hundred people how to fly worked with you know um he showed us a letter from one of the i think is a former student who was also a boy scout leader and got him to come speak to that and then he did speak engagements with the school and stuff all these cool stories but talking to him the first time we met him, he wasn't too sure. <laughs> because he, yeah. he was, again, two Shrek-sized people walk into his house. and But as soon as we started talking, he started showing us pictures. And there's pictures <laughs> throughout the book. He lit up like a kid on Christmas. <laughs> He's
1: like, We're here for the gangbang. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: So it, yeah. I the, apologize that was the first yeah. thing that came to mind <laughs> And uh, to be honest yeah
0: after talking to him I, it's like I, I would like to just kind of break down the book with you guys and get your input on it yeah, I find true. it absolutely fascinating I know Josh you've talked about being a fan of history and stuff
1: yeah man so yeah it's like I just did a huge history tour too but um yeah, <clears throat> yeah I'll dig that book out and oh, next time we chat we can uh, yeah. we can yeah. unpack that freaking pretty seriously I'll read the book and Um, Sounds like an interesting story, but yeah, man, we just, we freaking, speaking of history, we just went on like, um, so every year I go to Florida, my dad lives in Florida, he lives just outside of Gainesville, and um, I didn't really feel like just going down there this time and spending four or five days sitting around watching the Fox News, (laughs) because my dad is enraptured
2: with Fox News, but. I relate um, to that pretty hard. Yeah, we're going to Arizona at the end of this month, and it's going to be yeah.
1: So I was talking to my wife, and I was like, "Look, we need to do a we need to do a trip within a trip." So Andersonville. Uh, I don't know if you know what Andersonville is. Yeah. Um, you know what Andersonville yep. is? Almost everybody in the Army army's heard of it. So Andersonville is a, a Civil War era prison that the Confederates ran, and it was almost like. The Holocaust type concentration camp before the concentration camps and the Holocaust happened, really bad. <clears throat> and then you shoot about two hours straight east, and you got Savannah, Georgia. You know, which is if you know your Civil War history, you know, Sherman's march across. He hit Atlanta, then he went down straight down to Savannah, and then he shot over to Charleston. You know, or shot up the coast.
2: But, running along the way. Yeah, he yeah yeah, it was Scorched Earth. All this. He was I the first one who invented it. Yeah. Was it a year or two ago when they were really big on renaming all the like all the army bases that were named after Civil War generals? Yeah. It was like, well shit, if you're gonna it, rename Fort better, call yeah, it Fort Sherman.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Rub Swords on of that one. Uh, every single something or other like that's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So um and then we wanted to hit Charleston, which is where Fort Sumter's at. You know? so, yeah. So I'm a big Civil War history. And, um, I wrote papers on it when I was in college and you know, thought about writing a book about it, but um, uh, so that's all within two, three to five hours away from where my dad lives, so we decided that we were going to do this big freaking history tour. Well, we cut, you know, just for logistics, um, we cut Andersonville out, and we said we'll save that one for another tour yeah. you know, another another day. So we shot up to Savannah, and we went to the 8th Air Force. They have their own museum there in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. And it was one of the coolest places I've ever been, man. And um, my dad actually looked up some of our family history, and um, we had a family member who flew with the 8th Air Force, and you can go to that museum, and they will pull up his entire service record. That's really cool. For you, yeah. The guy ended up... um, he got well he wasn't killed in action but he died in action so he had an equipment malfunction and his, he was a tail gunner on a b-24 and the b-24 had gone in they had done their run and they had saw some action as they were coming back they had an equipment failure and he died because of loss of oxygen and when they found his body he was like six to eight inches away from hitting his reserve in his reserve and he died he passed out and then yeah, lost consciousness and died. So we get, we were reading about this, we found some old di- diaries that he had written, some you know, pages of the, the actual unit's his history and stuff. Super cool, I yeah. know. Um, then we shot over to Charleston and spent three days in Charleston we I mean, saw Fort Sumter, the Yorktown, a couple other warships. They had this old ass submarine, which I was like, "You're crazy if you think I'm getting on that." Because yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't, you know, I don't deal well with them. Was it actually in the water? Or in? It was in the water. Yeah, it was all rusted yeah. out, and it was like, it was like, it was leaking in the water.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a hard pass. No. If you want no. to see, um, they have a. If you go to the Museum of Science and Technology in Chicago, uh, they have a full U-boat that they've built. Like, it's in this massive building, and there's a whole like you know, exhibit around it with like yeah. all these artifacts and it's really cool but you can actually go inside that U-boat. So yeah, I'd, I'd, be down, I'd be doing, doing something like that
1: pool. but this this was in the water and <laughs> I mean, I got a picture I'll show it to you later and I was like, yeah, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh,
2: it's, yeah. So submarines can be a little uh disconcerting. In, to be yeah, I've right. been I've been on one and yeah. being down like we were. I think we we dove to like six hundred feet. Uh, you could hear it creaking around. I you. And don't you're know just know like, ah! I don't
0: know how that yeah. would that would have drove me. I, I was just f- watching a quick. It's like a three-minute documentary. I can't think of it. Anyway, about the Ohio-class submarine, yeah. and then those during the Cold War, you know, biggest submarine ever, yeah. and then Russia said, oh, you think your dick's big? Well, check out our typhoon yeah. class. And, and <clears throat> they show people standing on top of it while it's still in the water. And they're, I mean, they're tiny. It's bigger yeah. than a, a two-story house. It, yeah. It's massive. Uh. And there's still not enough money in the world you can get me to walk onto one of those. Nope. Yep, I'm with you, man. I uh, hard pass uh, yeah. uh, thank you, but no. In spaces, don't bother me. But you're in a pressurized tuna can. In underneath. closed spaces, bother me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. It, it, even going on the yard town, there were some
0: spots there. I was like, Oof, man. And thank God I'm not claustrophobic. Because a few years ago, 2019, went to Berman's. Uh, yeah. No, it was before. You no, know, Berman's wedding was 2019. When did I go to? his Clark's wedding? Was it 2018? I wasn't, was. It? I
2: didn't go to Clark's wedding. I went to the reception. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anyway, so when I went there, I shot. We we're in, in Tennessee, and I shot over to uh, Mammoth Cave. And oh, yeah. Our buddy of ours was working there, um, and he was one of the park directors, I guess. And he took me on a private tour of Mammoth Cave. And rather than you pay, you know, fifteen twenty bucks for a tour, yeah, go in and out. I got like six that day, but of course he thought it'd be hilarious. but he took me through the one where there's a, I think it's called Fat Man's Misery and Tall Man's something or another. So for several hundred feet, you're bent over at the waist, just trying to crawl through yeah, this no, thing. Man. There's another one where if you're six inches wide, I mean, you can glide through that like butter. But of course, I'm lifting up the beer barrel yeah. and trying to squeeze my way through this thing, and you're 300 some feet below. Yeah, the no, surface I, I Surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I,
2: uh,
0: That was that was my wife
2: at Cave of the Winds. When uh, we went on the, the like the deeper tour, of the candle. Let tour, whatever mm-hmm. they call it. There's a part where you have to bend Cave down. Like that, that. that's was, the one in South Dakota, right? No, that's the one in um, uh, Colorado Springs. Okay, yeah. So I was of, I was stationed one, out there for three years. That was like yeah, one of the first things we did, did five, as we right? went to we went to Cave of the Winds.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah. There's this one in South Dakota. We were down there for Sturgis. We shot South of Sturgis. There, pretty. There's this entire humongous. Like they say, it's about the same, the the entire cave system is about the size of freaking Minnesota and it's it's underground you know and it goes layer upon layer upon layer and there's like parts where like yeah the old boy went there and never came back you know? <laughs> and it was like, you guys are giving tours of this yeah fuck you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no no but it's really it's safe yeah. fuck you I'm yeah out. yeah no and um yeah I just I, I just don't deal well with them. I, I get really close it's funny, I figured out I was claustrophobic because I had to get a freaking MRI done. They stuck me in the tube yeah, and I my ass out. I didn't know it. And they were like, You're claustrophobic? I am now. <laughs> yeah, you know, got you
2: know, I just can't do it. Yeah, I've, I've been, I spent less than 48 hours on a submarine. So my, my first stint in college, right after I graduated high school, I did Navy ROTC. Yeah. So they sent us out, I think the summer between my freshman and um, sophomore year, they sent us out to norfolk for a month and they just like had us do like you know a week with the different communities to kind of see what it was like and what we were interested in doing and we went down to kings bay georgia yep for a week yep. at the submarine base which that's how that's actually how i got my secret clearance because you had to have a secret clearance to set foot on the submarine mm. and we were on there for like a little under 48 hours but yeah they at one point they dove down to like 600 feet and they started doing they call them uh I don't remember what it was called. It was like angles and dangles, I think, where they like go down five degrees and they go up five degrees and they go down 10 degrees and they just keep going to like, it was like 30 or 35 degrees. And when they're going down 35 degrees, you can lean all the way back and almost touch the ground without falling over because you're you're on such a they're steep such a incline. Steep and when they yeah. did that one, I guess the EXO was like asleep in his bed and it, it rolled him out of his bed. And <laughs> all the officers <laughs> thought it was like the funniest shit in the world because he's like a fucking 05 or yeah. something, dude. Came rolling out of his bed um but the the morning we were headed back so we went like 80 miles off the coast i went up at like four in the morning the guy who was on watch was like just stoked to have someone else up there because he's usually sitting up there by himself and so he's like showing me pictures of his kids and shit but like as we're bonding the, and you're just <laughs> yeah i'm just like i'm just like taking it in yeah, the ocean like, there was a full moon it was fucking great and as like the sun started to come up this pot of dolphins showed up in front of the submarine, and there, there's, like, probably 50 dolphins yeah, like, just like, swimming they, yeah, just swimming in front like, of the submarine. Yeah. I took video of it, but I've lost it since. Um, but at one point, one like jumped up, and the wave went out, and it landed on the submarine. And oh. it must have got knocked out. It just, like, laid there for a couple seconds. And I'm like, is that... Is that thing alright? He's like, ah, I'm sure it's fine. And like five seconds later, I think it came to it, and it started like flapping around and rolled off the side. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like it knocked its ass out. It's a rushing right. goddamn <laughs> dog. And like especially being tall or being bigger on the submarine, like yeah, you can't uh you can't move without like bumping into something. And and I'd gotten sunburned because I fell asleep on the beach for like an hour, like two days before, so my whole upper body was fried and I yeah. kept bumping into shit. <laughs> But it was yeah. I don't know that I could do that for jobs. Russian
0: dolphin. Did you guys ever see? I, I, it's on the internet, so take it as a grain of salt. I'm gonna call it like 90% bullshit. But there's a there, that, uh, the 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 porpoise or whatever, the white one. that's a white dolphin-looking thingy. Beluga whale. Yes. Yeah. Beluga whale that was like playing volleyball or whatever with he. Well, not volleyball. Like fetch, essentially. Yeah. Well, then, uh, and they found like a harness on it, and it turns out it was part of this Russian training program trying to use, you know, dolphins and whatnot to you know, well, go find mines and shit. Yeah, like they've
2: they've, and they've tried that shit in the past. Yeah, I know the Americans did. that Yeah, too, they tried that shit with dolphins. I mean, dolphins are smart,
0: but people and like, they oh, got that
2: echolocation yeah.
1: that goes
0: yeah. is, is like, oh, it's so semi-actual. cute. This dolphin is playing fetch with us, and turns out it's actually trained to actually. It's a it. Russian whale. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't
1: know, man. Freaking Russians are... Nah, I don't know. We did the same shit too, I can't really talk about that much. Yeah, Cold War was a... Uh... So, so what have you been doing since the freaking pandemic kicked off?
2: Oh, so they, uh so right when the pandemic kicked off we lost our biggest client in my last job which was i was like a third of our engineers so that was a pretty harrowing time like am i gonna get laid off am i not gonna get laid off like the two guys that sat on either side of me both got laid off so like, i went into work and i'm sitting there in an empty row like my ass is fucking next um <laughs> So they offered to let me go to Texas for a while to uh, work on a Lockheed Martin project. And I was like, yes, I will take that. So I spent the back half of 2020 traveling to Fort Worth. Do uh, you have to out the there. Areas I told you about? No, uh, so much shit was close, man, because that was still like 2020 yeah. at the time. Um, and then I, I did that through the middle of 2021 and then ended up, uh, ended up leaving that job. I work at Northrop Grumman now. So offering, uh, it's pretty pretty good so Are far. Are you back
0: from? I know you're in Iowa. No, I, I never
2: went. I never went to Iowa. I
0: was no. supposed to go to Iowa. Um, oh, so the weekend where we could have originally done this, you weren't gone.
2: They were. Well, they were like, "You're gonna go," and then I didn't go. Yeah. That um, was part of the reason. It was that was kind of a dumb project. It's One of the reasons I left. Uh, but it's yeah. I mean, they gave me a 19% raise to switch jobs. Oh, exactly. so pretty, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, Same company under, just different department, or no?
2: I completely left. Oh, I worked okay. for a. Yeah. I worked for a company that con- that contracted out because um, most most companies don't end up testing a lot of their own software because it's kind of tedious, and so they their employees don't want to do it. So we'd get contracted out to do that. <laughs> I um, hear. A- adobe's hiring right
0: now so they i'm still bugging their software
2: i'm still uh testing software but it's at a different level instead of like a base code level i'm testing on like actual hardware and uh yeah it's it's interesting I, so i i work on um, the software i'm working on right now is few fu- like the stuff that goes in fuses for artillery rounds In fuses What? What do you mean? Fuses? Fuses. Oh, fuses! That goes (laughs) in. That goes (laughs) in. That goes into the fuse on the artillery. God. It's like a, it's called like a multi-option fuse for artillery. You could set it to different things like. Um, it's a gunpowder infused action. Whether it's. <laughs> yeah. You, you can set it out. to like point detonate, delayed, um, air burst. Air burst. Like, sure. But instead of having like four different rounds, it's just a different fuse on the same round. And, you know, that's so you that's kind of the, the way the army, the like all military in general, has been going. It's like trying to have one thing that can do. Five different things instead of having you know five different things. It's like the F thirty five they got for three different jobs. It's supposed sure. to replace three different aircraft. So that's uh so that's what I've been currently working
0: on. Um, but it's it's shit that I've never done before. So it's a lot of learning. See, I assume that so every artillery video I've seen that's come out of say the last five years, it still you well know, hold the string and turn your head away. Somewhat. But it's, the, yeah. it's yeah. the shell and the fuse itself. Yeah, laser it's, guns. The
2: old copperhead system. Yeah, I mean, they... The do copperhead system. That's one of the things that the facility I work at does, too, is the uh, canards, which go on the front of the artillery round been developing smart ones that'll let it like adjust mid-flight which is good because most artillerymen fucking suck at their jobs <laughs> you can you can send that to Berman to
1: that. our, our friend artilleryman that wants to come on the show
2: yeah one of our friends one of our friends growing up was marine artillery yeah. so, I so
1: started out as an FO man I was a like 13 yeah. Fox I carried two yeah. they had 13 Fox and then I transferred over I was like, well, I'm carrying a radio. I might as well nice. to carry a rucksack instead of a radio. So, <laughs> you know. I had some good FOS. I had some shitty ones too. <laughs> you know, being an FO is a lot of fun because you can. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot you can do. They call in close
2: air support. Calling in a naval. Calling in. Freedom, yeah, he called you know. in close air support. Like on. I wasn't with that section of the platoon, thankfully, but he called in close air support on them, and, like, the A-10s, yeah. like, they could see the A-10 close, coming down. Yeah. It was, like, 200 meters away. They're out there waving, like, stop! Yeah, doing the old thing from, uh, when we His, soldiers, he, yeah. They pulled him off after that. He was, like, permanent, um, permanent C.O.R. after that. Yeah. He literally was just in charge of, uh, maintaining the guard positions, because yep. they, were, they were, like, you just about got people killed by a fucking A-10. <laughs> it's weird, is
1: like, the way the doctrine was going, almost, they, they started training the infantry guys as on how to call in. Oh, mostly yeah. it was mostly yeah. calling in artillery, but they started yeah. working with close air support too. So I mean, almost all the infantry guys knew how to. Yeah. Knew how to do it. Yeah, they, they had guys. all of uh, us. We were all trained up on how to. Uh, yeah, you were infantry, weren't you? Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: you had to. I mean, if you're in Colorado, then it's Fort Fort Carson, right? Carson. Carson. Yeah, Carson. Right? I mean, there's Carson. plenty of POGs on Carson, but yeah, it's for it's Fourth ID. Fourth ID. That's right. Yeah. It was a bliss to start with first AD. We were the one light brigade that yeah. they had there, which since has been deactivated. But they wanted like it's it's a fucking armored division, but they wanted a light brigade. So they when, when they when they told me they were sending me to to, uh, to bless my drill sergeants are like yeah well El Paso kind of sucks but hey at least you'll get a ride yeah, and, then got, and then I got and then I got there and they're were like we're light yeah. we're going light like, you're yeah. fucking walking everywhere cool thing about the IPO is you get more freaking you get to you know air assault and all that stuff you get to go free the air guys you know we did have a couple we, we did have a couple um, missions where we got dropped off via Chinook. Mm-hmm. One, uh, Joe, who was on the podcast, yeah. puked on the lawn. It was it's great. We, we had to do a lot of, like, you know, touchdowns. They they would touchdown, like, six or seven times because we did it at night, and it was so the tailman didn't really know where we'd actually been dropped off at. And uh, I think just, like, you know, that constant up and down was just too much for him. Chinooks <laughs> weird, he, though. Chinooks, yeah. because that... They're weird when you're riding in them. Yeah. Because
1: you feel like you're going forward, but you're looking out the back. And yeah, the thing, it fucks you That thing, thing turns by that back rotor. You know? Yeah. It fuck, so it when you're going you forward, up. and all of a sudden it swings over like that, and you're still feeling like you're, it, it messes with you a little bit. It takes a little bit of adjustment. Yeah. You know? it so anyone awesome.
0: listening that doesn't know what a schnook is, that's the dual prop. It's dual prop. Yeah. yeah. It, what designed originally as a trip carrier?
1: They, they've cargo been making cargo. them since Vietnam days, man. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, I think it was designed for. Because you can put a shitload in that thing. Well, it was it's it's, shit. so the Marines used to have that, that helicopter. It looked like a big grasshopper, and two pilots sat way high up. But you could cram, yeah. You could cram like thirty dudes into that thing. in the movie, a full metal jacket. Stone, yeah. You know, and they're flying along, and that gunner's just killing freaking Vietnamese people, you know. And, and that was the helicopter that the Chinook replaced because they phased that thing out. But that was more yeah. of a Marine helicopter, and then the Marines came up with Chinook. Yeah. But then the Army and everybody else was like, oh, so, "Man, that's a great, it great design. It's been it's been in service
0: since the '60s. It's is a it, great oh, it the navy Sea stallion. So what's the name? Sea stallion. Yeah. They, that's, like you know, that's, they,
2: that's Marine One. That's that's the one that looks like Marine One. They use, um, I mean, they use the Osprey now, but they they're trying to replace that with the V two hundred and eighty, which my my last company yeah. did some work on the V two hundred and eighty for Bell. Um, but yeah, that that the Osprey was something else when that came out. they had a lot of problems. With killed first. like thirty eight yeah. people the first year it was out, and yeah, that, they just drop out of the. Because that now. came out like. That came out, like, 2008 or something like that. Don't quote me on that. But I was... So when I went to Norfolk for a month was, like, a year or two after that had been released. And when we did our week with the Marines, which was basically just a week of boot camp, they just put us in barracks and fucking screamed at us for a week, which was, like great cool uh, but at one point during one of the field exercises Memories. they 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 corralled us all into a field and two ospreys came down and a bunch of people were like cool and i'm sitting there like i've yeah. i've read up on this like 38 write, fucking yeah. people and i'm sitting oh, there like I, oh, uh, <laughs> I like I don't want to do this man so they crammed us all on there and then the uh, the pilot did everything in his power to get people to puke um, you can feel it when it kicks cause that's what with the rotor yeah. like it'll be like a helicopter then it'll flip to a prop plane yeah, I mean, you, you can forward. feel that shit kick in when it flips to does plane it drop a little bit it drops a little bit and then it just like accelerates rapidly and then he was you know banking 90 degrees yeah, back and forth he got a couple kids he almost got me I did, not, I did not throw up, but I was close. There were a couple of kids that were, like, immediately got off that thing
1: and all, of, all over the tarmac. I remember <laughs> coming out of Baghdad in 2004 yeah. freaking taking the C-130 home on leave and that freaking yeah. guy He did a combat takeoff. <laughs> you know, so he, he's swinging back and forth. There's some young <laughs> female <laughs> lieutenant up there. It sounded like she's just getting railed. Ah!
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. the guy was nice so
1: know he like, oh, smokes sounds like in the sack right yeah <laughs> Jesus Christ dude but yeah, hey, yeah I remember the crew chief like if you puke on this I am not cleaning it up and yeah. I heard sure that some guy rolling it in there for you I, I,
2: I, was grew- fun. I thought it was fun I was like shit yeah this is a hot dog let's go I got it once that was, we were, when I was going out on R&R, so I got to Afghanistan right when they were notionally going to do nine-month deployments mm. instead of year deployments, so they didn't have to give you R&R, but our battalion fucked it up, and they they made it for, like, 273 days or something, it was just outside, that, so they had to give us R&R, so then they ended up pushing it to, like, 11 months, you know, to get their money's worth. But so I, I'm going out on R and R, and there's there's like three of us from the battalion, and one is the battalion. Um, is that when I think you he came was, back and got me?
0: Absolutely. Yeah,
2: that's sure when I brought the absinthe back and out. damn near killed you then. But just, he because uh, we because we stopped yeah. in Germany. The way back. Yeah, that was but, real uh, absinthe too. They had worm on it. Yeah. So we. I got that bottle. So of one of the guys going out was the major who was in charge of S three, and he was you know constantly swinging his dick around, and we're we're out there on the. Uh, um, the LZ for the tiny ass little fob that we had. And it was like, it was, the winds were bad. It was like probably at least 60, 70 mile an hour winds. We should not have flown that day. Um, Army, Army aircraft would not fly. Like air was very red. But we had one of the civilian, um, it wasn't a Chinook, it was one of the bigger civilian choppers that they fly in and out. And they were like, yeah, sure, we'll fly. And he's like, I got us a ride on them. And we're like, me and the other guy are like, motherfucker. We're like, can't we just wait till tomorrow? So we get on this and we're only eight miles from fob shank in RCEs, which is like one of the biggest, It yeah. was one of the biggest fobs in, in RCEs. So I'm like, this will be a short flight. Nah. So we're... We're here. Shakes here. They did this on all the other fobs, so they kept going down and picking people up. And it was like a two-hour flight at that point. They turned it into. And at one point, we hit a pocket of what the pilots call bad air, and we went in. And we lost a thousand. We lost a thousand feet of altitude. We, we were we were in free fall for probably about four seconds. It fell a lot longer. Damn, you hit the mountain. And we came out of that, and we came out of it like this. And I knew as soon as we came out of that, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna make it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the majors like turned to me like private. How many rounds do you have for that machine gun? Because we we almost hit the mountain. And I'm like, I'm like, sir, I got like a hundred rounds. And we hit the mountain. We're fucking dead. Yeah. Like, you know, like, even if we don't die in the crash, I'm just, gonna, just gonna, gonna shoot. shoot like oh, I'm yeah. gonna fucking shoot myself because yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. getting captured.
1: You want me to shoot the fucking mountain or
3: what? Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so we did like maybe one or two stops after that, and then I'm like I'm feeling it, and the the crew chief definitely saw me because he hands me a puke bag, and I I lost it after that. But that was the only time I've thrown up in an aircraft. Was uh, almost hitting a fucking mountain. Because, you know, flying on a day, yeah. we shouldn't have been fucking flying.
1: Have you ever been in an aircraft when it loses air like that? Yeah, when changed. I was coming yeah, back it's I was flying hot. back from
0: Cleveland uh, and after a thunderstorm and like, leading up to this I was asleep before it even finished taxiing yeah. and then I'd just wake up and, during landing because, you know, the air pressure change and we were flying from Cleveland to Minneapolis so we came over the Great Lakes yep. so that's Michigan yeah, yeah, and Pilot came on and said, Hey, we're gonna, we're expecting some turbulence, storms getting worse, blah blah blah. I'm like, eh, Whatever, no big deal. And I start to nod off again. And all of a sudden, we dropped, I think he said 1400 feet yeah. of elevation, like that, like you said, four seconds. We were less than it four feels seconds. It a lot more than that. Yeah, it yeah. could have been a fucking lifetime for all I know because it put probably half the gray hair in my beard. <laughs> and then on landing, apparently, this was the pilot's first day. Landing a plane because he bounced the ass end of that plane off the tarmac and I ripped up some seat with my when I puckered up on that.
2: (laughs) So you you lost
0: that altitude at
2: about 35,000 feet. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Imagine losing
2: it when you're only about 1,500 to 2,000 feet off the ground and you're flying in between these mountains that are covered in fucking
0: tail, man. New. New. Yeah. That was. Yeah. It didn't help that. So when whenever my company does a big, you know, company wide event, we all fly down on the 747s and, yeah. and get the free TV. But if you're just doing training, like I was, then you're on the whatever plane sizes. Regional from a twin prop. Yeah. The yeah. smallest jet that and Delta has. Yeah, and I could. I'm standing there like my head's.
1: The turbulence is always
0: really. Oh yeah. Yeah. On smaller planes. It is. There's I I know they're supposed to be given the wings, but it does not help me when I'm looking out the window and I see the engine bouncing up and down yeah. X amount of feet and yeah. yeah. the
1: wings are like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Jesus like, like, Christ.
0: I mean they're 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 designed that way. Yes, I, I understand that.
2: But, I, have but a, I, have, I have a degree in aerospace brain. engineering trust me <laughs> yeah. they're designed that way they have to but that and they doesn't and they make go me through feel better rigorous, watching and they go through rigorous it. testing <laughs> like testing the actual breakpoint of those things I mean yeah they could hit a breakpoint, but you need to be in like Hurricane force winds. Yeah, it's yeah. very, it's very rare that a plane is brought down from turbulence. Yeah, like, it's, it's almost unheard of. Yeah. Even like helicopters are more susceptible to. There it, was yeah. that Southwest flight a couple of years ago where like the casing came off the engine yeah. and people were freaking the fuck out it's and they, they landed because yeah. people were freaking out. But it was like that doesn't really do anything. Like the casing is just there. You know, for aesthetics, and so people can't actually see the engine. Right. It didn't actually affect the performance of the aircraft at all, but people, people were losing their shit because they could see the, you know, the <laughs> inside of the engine. They're like, oh, we're all going to die. Yeah, well, there's a lot of smoke coming off that thing, too. There was oh, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, like, you see, you watch movies and, you know, an, an engine will go on an aircraft and it's like, and it fucking crashes. But, like, one, there's four engines. Yeah, you can still an Yeah. And even if all four of them go out, like, they're, those are producing thrust in this direction, which is, in a, you know, a, is perpendicular to gravity, going this way. Like losing the forward momentum doesn't make you drop out of the sky. Yeah. Like you can glide. A
0: lot of those planes can glide for 30, 40 miles. Yeah, and, which is i yeah, fine with it. an airplane. Yes. Okay, cool. We can, you know, well, you got Sully that lands a whatever site. Oh yeah, right. yeah, yeah. landed
1: in the Hudson Bay there. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I he had, he, had, he, had, he had to react quick because like, yeah.
1: he had just taken oh, off. Absolutely, like, he
2: didn't have—he wasn't cruising at thirty-five thousand feet no, and had no. all this time. Like,
0: but you cannot pay yeah. me enough money to get into a helicopter. Oh, because, I love helicopters. They're, they're, hot, they're fun. Know. No, they're absolutely fun. Not. No, because the second those propellers go out, it's just a bowling ball. <laughs> this just be fun because you spin a lot on your way down.
3: You're get
1: knocked out
0: before you, you freaking hit. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not going to out. What do they store. call it if you have engine or partial engine failure and then you just throw the motors back on to try to get as enough lift right before you a uh, full rotate or something like that? I was listening. I was reading a <Veterans> book. helicopter. Yeah, it, so the, it was a guy. He was. It's. Right, I think thinking, it's, it's called the Secret know. War. He was part of the. It was during the Vietnam era. Oh Order. yeah, yeah, Air,
1: yeah or Air America and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, uh, I know what you're
0: about. I read that book. They know. got hit by an RPG. I think it was, or his engine failed. Either way, they had a full crew. Or fully loaded helicopter. You know, Chinook, I don't think that was his case. main rotor. I think that was his
1: tail rotor. Yeah. What they he did a, his engines the
0: yeah, and all But things. right yeah. before they hit ground he just yeah. cranked it as hard as he could yeah. to try to stop it from, you know, going Spinning. sideways. Yeah. And nobody's ever done that before with a full load of, you know, troops in the back yeah. of that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is called Secret Wars the book. Oh, yeah. uh, I can dig it up here later today. But, yeah, no, no thank you. Hard pass. I will walk, drive, or take a Greyhound bus before you get into a helicopter. I always thought I
1: helicopters were a lot of fun, man, especially the Blackhawks. Although I know Blackhawks, I like the, their, their track record is
2: and all that stellar. I like Blackhawks better than Chinooks, even though Chinooks have a better track record. Yeah. They're actually faster. Like, Chinooks don't feel faster because it feels like you're in a boat, kind of. But Chinooks will top out at I think two hundred knots and Blackhawks are like one sixty. But the Blackhawk's a lot smaller and it just feels more nimble and feels like you're less likely to get hit by an RPG,
0: so what's uh so I again I remember when the war was kicking off in Iraq right off the gate, there's a lot of coverage going on, obviously. That was the thing. But there's a lot of talk of Blackhawk mechanical failures and operator errors like there's the, the two that crashed on a night op and stuff like that was that really common or was that just the media yeah. point and the camera lines in that direction if
1: you fly long enough on the Blackhawks you're going to go down in one basically you know, that's yeah. what the old that's what the old the old outage was you know was, you, you, you fly out long enough I mean, You even allude to it in um some of the books that the guys wrote like the one they they did about when they were flying in to get um Obama or not Obama, Osama bin Laden. The one guy looks at them, they they started catching a lot of stuff and the Black Hawk started acting funny and Yeah. He looked at it. The rest of the guys is just like everybody who's been on a black hawk that's crashed before, right? You know, and they were like, Yeah, we've all been down on one of these and he's Okay, we're good. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. The, I flew on Black Hawks a lot and I Never saw one with a single problem. I never had a single problem with them. I flew on Chinooks. Um, I did a test. Uh, did a shits and giggles ride on a Huey, and that was probably the scariest <laughs> on a Huey. Was it okay, was because like, it's bi- vibrating bucket of bolts is basically right. what it was. You know? <laughs> Loud, obnoxious. It was not a fun flight. Yeah, you know? but the Blackhawks I was always comfortable
2: flying. Yeah. Chinooks I out of yeah, fuck it, Let's go. We've it. done a few times each, but yeah. it was basically like. We did a Chinook to get out to our cop because our, our cop was up in the mountains um, and it was pretty isolated from the rest of the province. There was one pass going in that was lined with IEDs. So they flew us in on a Chinook. They did figure eights around the, uh, around the cop for a while. And when someone was finally they were like, why are we doing this? Crucius was like, oh, they're shooting RPGs at us. Like, yeah. That's fucking great. Uh, I, I wish I hadn't asked that question. But, <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> dropped, but like, we didn't leave. Um, they stopped. I mean, they, At one point, they... They refused to send helicopters because the helicopters would always get RPGs shot at them, so we'd have to have the C-130s come in, and they do their drop. Or they'd come in really steep, and then they'd tip up and they'd push their pellets of water out the back, yeah. and like half of it would explode when it hit the when it hit the ground. <laughs> but that's how we got uh, resupplied. That's how we got resupplied for a while. So we only I only flew. I think I flew Chinooks in and out, and then we had our one or we had a couple big ops where they sent in Chinooks, and then I flew Blackhawks when we did a. Uh, we went out for R and R, but no, uh, they didn't. We we didn't fly much. I should say this: I only flew Chinooks
1: and Blackhawks a couple times in in theater. Most of our stuff was always in a training environment, and okay. back here in the states. So I mean, and those are well well, you know, the maintenance on them is they're well maintained. So yeah, mm-hmm. I I didn't do a whole lot of operational stuff in theater on Blackhawks or Chinooks. We only did a couple missions on either one. Most of our stuff was done with either Bradleys or um, we had a couple of Mike 113s that was used just for. Okay. What's the uh, Mike 113? Yeah. True. It looks like a tank. They'll mount a 50 cal or if you're in the artillery, they mount a big glitz system and a couple of toes on it.
0: But so compared to a Bradley, which I know what those
2: are. It, it, it they think like comparable. a Bradley without the turret. Yeah, okay. Bradley yeah. without the turret, yeah. The Bradleys, I hated. I despise them. them. The the fucking fuck you, you, I spent 10 and a half show I spent yeah we <laughs> well I, cause when I went to Carson that was a heavy unit and I I'd, I'd missed NTC at uh bless because uh I showed up a month less than a month before they were deploying think like, that was uh yeah that was that was great coming out of basic training and all bright eyed and bushy tailed and Told my wife, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm gonna go down there. Yeah. I'm gonna find us an apartment. It's gonna be great. I'll take leave. We'll come back and get you. And yeah. I get down there, and they're like, Hey, uh, welcome to one for one. We're going to Afghanistan in three weeks. Yeah. And I was like, Motherfucker. But I, the nice thing about that is I missed MTC. I didn't NTC get. was fun. Right? I did not NTC. get that luxury at Carson NTC? NTC? National Training National Center. Train oh, Center in California. It's in the Mojave Desert. You go there for about a month, and it sucks. Oh, I, see. I hear that. So we funny. went, so we, when I went with Carson, we Mojave, were a heavy unit. We, had, we had Bradleys, yeah. 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 We had Bradleys, but, so one of the Bradleys was deadlined before we even went out to the box. That's what they call beater out the oh, field the there. True. It's the box derivative from the sandbox, because it's just fucking sand. And... So on the, on the map it looks like a big box, and then on the yeah that too.
0: So if you're in the box, that's a field training exercise. Yeah, I
2: mean, if you say, if people say they're in the box yeah. at NTC, it means they're actually out doing the training exercise. I've heard
0: FTX. Is that still a thing? Field training exercise. Yeah, yeah
2: that's, yeah, that's 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 generic. Yeah, that's, but you go to, you go to basic and you have an
1: FTX. Sure.
2: Anyway, we had two more Bradleys deadline on the way out there. So we had one Bradley, and we had one. Uh we borrowed, kind of, for, for dismount purpose, the platoon sergeant from another platoon, his Bradley. He didn't have any dismounts in there because he put all he was paranoid about supply having a sensitive item, so he had two tough boxes of all his sensitive items in the back of his Bradley. And we had two squads of dismounts, so we're like, we have one fucking Bradley in our platoon at this point. So we broke our, one of our squads being my squad went with him but he wouldn't take those fucking tough boxes out of the Bradley so we had seven dudes crammed into this Bradley with the, all the floor space think of it you got these two tiny little benches all the floor space is taken so, up of the tough box so we're all sitting like this <laughs> for 10 hours at a time to with me, our, to our to make it a little bit real
1: for you the space that you're sitting in okay imagine if your desk right there is lined with a small bench maybe 6-8 inches wide on either side Right? Bring that space of your table in there, that's what, thirty six inches. Bring it in about freaking eight inches. All right. So when you're sitting across from somebody, your knees
0: are interlocked. Plus you have all your gear that you have to bring with you. Which how much how much is Gear weigh what? I probably anywhere for, from 80 to 150. It Average, you're
1: start, the standard weight is 35 pounds, okay. But it, there's no pack out there in the United States Army that weighs 35 it's
2: pounds. It's usually, <laughs> I, I think in Afghanistan, the minimum that anyone carried was about 70. Because yeah. even the riflemen, you know, they probably with body armor, uniform, helmet, okay, water. Um, Pogi mm-hmm. bait, which is what we call and, food, and, and then, and then, ammo, and then ammo and weapon, they probably were sitting at around 60 True. pounds because the M4 doesn't weigh that much, the ammo doesn't weigh that much, but then they'd get tasked to carry other bullshit Dragon. like the Javelin. Well, javel, yeah, javelin, javelin, the fucking Thor, which is this backpack that it's supposed to interrupt. Um, like cell phone signals. so they can the, pop on you. The Taliban likes to use uh, and I'm sure Al Qaeda in Iraq yeah. likes to use plus the um, T
1: forty gunners fucking, and the saw gunners were taking all their extra
2: ammo yeah. and freaking cross loads. Yeah, or to the or the Goldie, which is my, my buddy um, my buddy Turner, the one who got killed over there, have the Goldie which looks like a fucking hockey stick. And you're supposed to carry front it's supposed to pick up on trip wires, but we're in a rural oh. environment, so we never really need to use it. And he'd sling it over his back and then occasionally it would hit his ankle and it would trip him and he'd just fucking faceplant. I was always walking. <laughs> Usually I was walking in front of him because I was the saw gunner and he was like off to the side of the wedge, but there was one patrol I was behind him and I just watched him fall over and over
0: again. It was, it was great. So, and I know we've talked you seen it at was, the time that when you're doing but, that shit like in
1: theater. Oh, it it's, fucking sucks. You're just like fucking goddamn boy. But why did they make us do that? But then? he
0: only fell,
2: I, I counted, he fell 12 times on that patrol. It was a long <laughs> patrol. It was like six... Six clicks, so six kilometers, walking, which is a lot longer than it sounds when you're going through a rural area and you're, you know, carrying, in my case, 110 pounds of shit. You got to remember too, we would practice doing this stuff. Like, yeah. for, you know, what was
1: it, a standard time like for a 12-click run? Right, like, more of the
2: standards. For a 12-mile, the 12 standard miles. was three hours. Three hours. Man, that's not half that. It,
1: but it never either. took you that time in country. Because you went, you know, but when we would do that, you'd have all that stuff loaded up on you, but you jogged it, you yeah. know. You basically were jogging it, especially with people like short little fucking hot legs <laughs> like I've got. You know?
2: I was running it. They give you the 240? Yeah, can you always be- give the short people the,
0: the biggest yeah. gun cuz so, it's funny. You know, <laughs> the, the saw squad when back, it was right? Have, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so, is that the same as a 240? No. So, one.
2: the 240 shoots 762, 7-6, which is the equivalent of a 308. Okay. Um it, I mean, Link 762 linked weighs about twice as much as linked 556 when a saw shoots, which is a 223 for civilians. Um so, you, te- you know, you should be able to carry more linked 5.56. So the automatic riflemen mm-hmm. in, the, in a normal dismounted squad carries a saw. They're supposed to carry 800 rounds of ammo. Whereas a, uh, we have what's called weapons squad, which they have two 240s. Which is longer, it weighs more. Well they came um, with a two forty golf though, they pretty minimize that we had well, with the, the, shot, Lima. You know, the The Lima. The, the golf's the one that like that the uh, Marines had. The Lima's the one that was about five pounds lighter. Yeah. We had two of those. And then the weapon squad is built around those two forties. Like you have you have ammo bearers whose whole job is just, just to carry a fucking backpack of ammo. Right, and you you've got the assistant gunner, yeah, and the tripod. You've got assistant gunners who their job, they're kind of, they kind of function as a team leader. Their job is just to direct gunfire. Or take um, over the gun when the the gunner goes down. So the automatic riflemen kind of, you know, for a normal, for a regular squad, they kind of encompass all of those roles. Um, I mean, the team leader will kind of function as an AG, especially like for me, I didn't have, I didn't have, I had no magnification, so my team leader would direct me because like. A lot of the firefights we got into I was shooting like six seven hundred meters out, and I'm, I'm just I'm literally just shooting at dots at that point, and he'd fucking you know up, up
0: up, okay, you got him you just, you know, that kind of thing how, how much so I've shot ARs before, and depending on the muzzle break, there's a little bit of flash I mean, how much of a muzzle flash are you trying to see through? Can you see anything, or are it's you not, just going? Hey, well, you know, it's, not so, much the mu- it's
2: not so much the muzzle flash as I don't I don't know how Iraq was, but Afghanistan is dust. So as soon as you shoot, it's just fucking dust everywhere. So I'd get a bead on, you know, and you aim low because machine guns ride up, they tend Mm to ride up into the right. So I'd I'd aim down into the left slightly. I mean, I think, and and direction, I think, depends on what- Kentucky wind Yeah. Yeah. So I'd aim down into the left and then you walk the, it's called walking the the rounds up onto the target. And I would just see dust. So my team leader would sit there with binos Mm -hmm. and he'd tell me, you know, Up, 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 okay. You know, you got them kind of
1: thing. It was, but, it was, it was difficult at night because you got your lasers and everything and you're using night vision and stuff. And that dust would kick. It was the same way in there, right? Yeah. I mean, the dust would kick up. You can't see The, the good, lasers, good. all you'd see is the refract, refraction from the lasers and stuff. But that's why you you train as a team.
3: Yeah. yeah. You
1: know, so you got other guys who are watching stuff and they're, they're guiding you in, you know. And, you know, they're you wouldn't just like full on hold
0: on the automatic you're not just shooting da, 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 da. Yeah, that's what they do in Hollywood isn't yeah. that accurate no, First, Hollywood is so,
1: usually <laughs> Hollywood and the internet are usually
2: pretty yeah. there, you know? <laughs> so there's, so there's I mean you can do that's Style called that's called die. cyclic yeah. fire when you're just holding down the trigger yeah. and that that would uh, that's, that's usually, like an oh shit situation well, like it's usually like if you're being, if you're OPs, yeah, being because you have you have,
1: you, know, you, have your, you have your interlocking sectors of fire so one gun would be pointed this way, another gun would be pointed this way, and you're shooting on cyclic fire. So anybody who's coming into that would 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 be hit. But usually, in especially in weapons squad, yeah, you would have you know we always call it talking gun. So one guy would shoot, yeah. and then you would stop because he was usually we'd, we it was not seven to nine rounds, you know. So da 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 and then you'd stop. Then the other guy would shoot da 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 yeah. And so you'd, you'd get the guns talking. In an optimal world, that's what it's supposed to do. In
2: a target-rich environment, everybody's just shooting as much as, much as they can. Yeah, we'd, we'd have, um, I mean, we'd have points where when I'd be reloading, and again, once, once they gave me the Mark 48 instead of the saw, and because that's, so Mark 48 is, um, it's made by FN. It's a Belgian company. Um, it's, it was supposed to be an upgrade over the saw because it shoots 7.62, but what they don't take into account is that linked 7.62 weighs twice as much <laughs> as linked 5.56. 5. <laughs> so, and I carried 650 rounds for that bitch. Um, I, I mean, I had the, far, the I had the heaviest kit in the fucking platoon by far. I think when I weighed myself, it was 110 pounds. Jesus. My kit weighed. Um, so I carried 600 in my back, 50-round starting belt because the little clip that held uh, the pouch or nut sack, as we called it, that was broken. So... I, but to reload, I'd have to, you know, unclip one of those pouches, rip the belt out. It would take me a couple seconds, and the team leader would usually just throw his uh, his M4 on Burst for sustained fire. I know Burst is, like, the cool thing in yeah. Call of Duty. It's fucking pointless in real life, except for, you know, providing some sort of, like... You know,
0: supplement. So, it might, when, like when like, I'm
2: reloading, he puts it on burst. To provide know, they they used to call it covering fire. Cover, yeah. yeah. I fire, suppressive before. Before. fire. It you know,
0: went down to a thing where you could pay 50 bucks and shoot all sorts of different shit. And one yeah. guy had a. Uh, the, uh, what's the World War Two Thompson? No, 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 no. B.A.R. B.A.R.? It, it was MG42. M- G- huh? <laughs> M.G. 42. Huh? M.G. 42 was the German version of yeah. what later yeah. on became our. Insist- I think he machined his own or something. But, yeah, I mean, you could just sit there and shoot into a mountainside. Mm. Yeah. Was, yeah. th- and that's fun, but, I mean, the rounds are going wherever they feel like yeah. whenever they come out of that barrel. That's why you do bursts. Yeah. Because what? the longer you hold that trigger, like, the, 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 the gun more. just goes. Yeah. Where it wants to, You're but at the range, like we were talking before offline, you know, it's slow, 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 smooth as fast. Yes, yeah. and that's what I've always done. Albeit, I have a semi-automatic pistol, yeah. so it's not shooting anywhere close to that. But I was more worried about accuracy.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I've heard other guys criticize that. You know, you get the the, the YouTube operators that want to get the uh, the the full automatic you know. Call of Duty guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The four <laughs> the former the former Team Six. The, yeah, the former
2: <laughs> Navy SEALs. <laughs> bunch of tools. <laughs> 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 I like I like Andy's stuff. Of all the you know, the fucking big name SEALs out there, him yep. I like because he's a straight he you know is a bit of a straight shooter and he's a
0: little bit more down to earth, but yep. a lot of them are, are fucking No, I and I remember my very first there. time I heard of Navy SEAL was watching the History's channel when it was still about history. And they did the uh Bioptic on Hell Week. Yeah. Whatever class that happened to be there. But they had, you know, between showing shots of them going through Hell Week and shit like that, they had this guy who at the time he was a politician for whatever Western state, you know, one of the mountain states. Yeah. And he, and he came across as just a colossal asshat. Yeah. You know, politician. Oh, yeah. You know, your average <laughs> Navy SEAL can outperform any, you know, Ivy League school, any D1 college athlete, blah, blah, blah and it's like oh wow you guys are a bunch of dickheads like cool it's I'm just, never gonna yeah, pay know, attention I, to this again and if, then if listening you, to Andy Stump for the first time I'm like oh you're, you're actually a human being <laughs> I wanted to do that for
2: a long time I don't know if you remember that that, yeah, was, like, yeah. that was like my goal because I, I was a swimmer growing up yeah. that was my thing and like yeah, oh it makes sense you're <laughs> an
0: asshole mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I don't know why you continue to hang out with them, <laughs> but yeah, I realized once I got in that they actually actually got into the military. Like that's like the Hollywood of yeah. the military. If you'll notice, anytime something happens, like oh, it was SEALs. Like a lot of times it wasn't. A lot of times it was you know what used to be called Delta Force or something a little bit more clandestine. But SEALs is who gets to be the face it, it, of it. it, 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 it seems like in my I,
1: experience, it, it, operators. Um, Real operators, they don't even talk about no, it. No, they don't. They don't go on TV. They don't fucking. They don't self-aggrandize. You know, they don't yep. talk about themselves. They don't go out there and say, "The seals are the best unit out there." Because you're know, almost always, almost always, operators cannot operate without a freaking joint team coming together, and they all work right. together in order to facilitate one specific thing on a mission. Okay. okay, we had ODA teams working with us. The special forces guys—they didn't talk about themselves at all. Yeah, you know, no. they didn't say a fucking word about it. You know, um, you knew they were special forces. You know, but you didn't. You know, you. So like you're gonna go out there and You special forces? Because they just look at you and go, no, you know, and then they'd walk away. Yeah. Most of the operators that I've ever met, they don't talk about it. They don't fucking let you know, and they don't yeah. want you to know, you know. It is. What they're doing, what they're doing is freaking, hey, we had them on a couple of our missions, you know, and they did their job they did it really well and then we, we didn't see them at our freaking AARs or anything after that they just fucking they melted back into the shadows and they went about their business they were fucking consummate professionals you yeah. know they you
2: know like I said SEALs are like the Hollywood yeah. of, yeah. of, it's, of it's like they,
1: they, they, they they've built up their own freaking um, they built up their own image yeah you know and so like they always have the duty to smoke freaking Osama you know they always have them Like, he's all over the CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. He's always on there. He's always giving his opinion about stuff. He doesn't have a degree in geopolitical freaking stuff. No, he he has one claim. He pulled pulled the trigger trigger and shot Osama. Osama. And he he was really smart at that point in time because he was in a dark room. He had night vision. Osama didn't. And he went, hey, Osama. And Osama went, what? And boom, he smoked him. You know, because he he pulled his trigger at the first thing he moved if we did that in our training environment we would fucking be chastised hardcore you know? I've been chastised for doing that <laughs> we didn't have positive, identi- positive target identification you No, know? I'm, not, I'm not taking anything away from the training or anything or what those guys do they're special they do freaking they do good things for this country but I think a lot of times you know it freaking, to piggyback on what he said it's like you, you always see them on TV now
2: you yeah. know and that's, I think that's the, the real running the
1: joke real, right yeah the real operators you know if you come up to them with a microphone and say hey I'm from fucking CNN what did you think about this one they're gonna look at you and go yeah I don't know shit happens and they're gonna walk away you know? yeah, that's operator. just kind of you know,
2: that's just kind of the military in general though you can tell like who does shit and who doesn't um, based on how they respond to, to attention. Yeah. Like that like when we went when we were flying back from Afghanistan, we went through Manasseh Air Force Base like everyone does. And a couple of um, a couple of fucking senators showed up. I don't remember who it was at this point. I don't I'm assuming they were Republicans because they're usually the ones that you know like to get FaceTime and being like, look how much we care about the troops. None of them do. But yeah. you know, they're they're the ones that like to pretend. As long as so, it's in their district. Right. Yeah. So I'm assuming it was a couple of Republican senators that showed up and we had there were a bunch of pogues over there meeting with them and all of us the guys that have been off the fob for fucking 11 months are just sitting there and they're like hey you want to go over and meet them and we're all like nah man you want to talk to the media I don't -hmm. give a fuck it's just nothing to do with that man that's it's the easiest way to tell like who who does shit and who doesn't is most most people who are doing shit don't really want the attention
0: so the the two takeaways I got uh from the the Navy SEALs or the special operations side of the house it's a lot of the guys that, you know, like Andy who are more down yeah. to earth. Yeah. seem to just this look in themselves like, we all do the same job. It's just we got different training because we were expected to do a different. Yeah, thing. yeah that's
2: the best role. way he described it. Yeah. a specialized role.
1: Yeah. are role, yeah. and it's a very difficult role. Yeah. You know, and so they're expected, they're asked, not asked, they're ordered. To go do something that is extremely difficult, you know. So yeah, they're gonna get freaking training for it. And, yeah, should they be proud of it? Yeah, they should. You know, and I don't take anything away from those guys. No, with the real dudes, the real dudes, you know, the the motherfuckers, the OGs, you know, the the the
2: you percenters. Yeah, don't say shit. They don't fucking talk about it. You know? I have they don't fucking sit there. I and, think I've told you about my buddy Neil, who I went. I yeah. was in Navy R T C with him. He was was a psycho. Mm. Like, this dude would, like, put his mind to something, and he'd be like, I'm going to do this. And he'd put his mind to it, and he'd fucking crush it. Mm. Like, he was at one point, he was like, oh, I think I want to run a marathon. And he trained for, like, four months, and he ran... He ran the St. Paul Marathon because I was, I was at the finish line because we, you know, for community outreach had done like, you know, some volunteering. So I was clocking at the finish line. He crossed the finish line two hours and 42 minutes, which is roughly a six minute pace per mile. After like four months of training, like the dude would put his mind to something and he would just fucking obsess and. You know, lo and behold, of the like ten of us that wanted to be seals, he was the one that made it. Yeah. And I actually, I actually saw him in bless right after I got back from Afghanistan. Um, he just came walking up to me, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like he was there mm-hmm. training with, uh, with SF. But this dude has not posted shit on his Facebook page in years. Yeah. he doesn't yeah. talk about it. He just does it. So, and, I, and I don't know what he's what he's doing at this right. I don't even know if he's. I don't even know if he's still in. Because he just he because he doesn't yeah. talk about it. I think there are some guys out there
1: in the in the opera, like Jocko, yeah. like Jocko or Marcus yeah. Luttrell, you know, guys who went through an experience. They talk about that experience, but really they don't really talk about like you know it's yeah they just don't talk about it. You know? Yeah, operators, right. it, Mr. Salisbury, who we interviewed, he he was in special ops, you know, and he point blank told us he was not going to talk about anything yeah. about that. You know? Yeah he's like
0: don't even ask me because i like now you're wasting yeah. your fucking time no when I saw him again at the, at the yeah. New Year's party you know I, I you know had to ball bust him a little bit Yeah. he said hey what are we going to talk about your time with the health bet soup and yeah. he goes Oh, I can't I'm like I understand yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time I got but, but this is the way those guys are yeah
1: right? and most 99% of them that I have met like you know if you didn't if you didn't know their background ahead of time you know um, they won't.
2: You'd never know. Yeah. I mean, you'd never know unless you walk into their house because they do keep mementos. Yeah. Some of them are weird. I've had a couple. I've had a couple good run-ins though. When we were at, when I was in Afghanistan, Fob Altimer, which was like the tidy Fob that our battalion was at, had an SF compound, yeah. and those dudes would show up. Our sergeant major, like all sergeant majors, uh, didn't know shit about his job and was just obsessed with like people being in correct uniform, right? Yeah. I don't know if they <laughs> like. I don't know if they like. I don't know if. Like I mean, you made it first sergeant, so you might have more insight on this. I don't know if they get a fucking lobotomy when they go to start Major Academy. Here's what it is: what <laughs> is. They're,
1: so, they're so far removed yeah. that they get encapsulated into small things that they can control.
2: Yeah, you know, that's so
1: like uniform policy. You know, yeah. if I it, the, the uniform standards and everything, you know that's the things that they can freaking that they're encapsulated to because they're they're doing other stuff yep. and they're doing they're doing good work you know a good sergeant major though no, he wasn't you know <laughs> a good sergeant major will, is the guy who goes out there and he's just like he walks into the troops and just like hey man how's it going what's going on you know
2: yeah you'd oh, walk I, in I and be it. like everyone then, wearing their knee pads and like not nobody's wearing their fucking knee pads because yeah, those things cut sergeant, off your circulation
1: but major, one of the best sergeant majors I ever freaking worked with you know, a yeah. guy named Rock uh, oh god what was his name Oh, I forget his name now. I, I probably shouldn't mention it. You know. But he was one of those ones, he, you know, like everybody would see him, they'd all take their hands out of their pockets, you know. Yeah. Because yeah, for some reason, that's a Sergeant Major magnet, you know. Yeah. And he'd come up and he'd be like, why'd you take your hands out of your pocket? You know, like, oh, you know, they don't want to make you mad, Sergeant Major. He's like, well, if the Army didn't want you to have them, they wouldn't have freaking given them <laughs> on your pants. Put your hands in there, it's fucking cold out here. You know? That dude's all right. You know? But some of them
2: get so... And they get so far removed that what what the actual work is, you know. Yeah. That's, how, that's how Uncle Mo was. We called him Uncle Mo. His first name was Morris. So behind his back, everyone called him Uncle Mo. And he cared mostly about, you know, if you were in the right uniform. And again, we're in fucking Afghanistan. And nobody's uniform's clean. But, like, if he sees dirt, like, you better wash that. Like, whatever, man. Never mind. Camel works better when you let it pick up dust and shit. Yeah. But so he's... So on the fob, he would stand at the entrance and like whatever he felt like it he'd stand at the entrance of the chow hall and he'd make sure that one you had a battle buddy because you know even oh though we're grown God. ass adults you gotta go to you gotta go everywhere with a friend oh he'd God. make sure that you had your weapon on you cause we're on the fob and we don't have ammo issued but you gotta have it with you and he'd make sure like uh, everything was right. And so my buddy Joe, who was on the podcast, we used to go out. We used to go to the chow hall <laughs> together. So Joe and I, so Joe and I are going to the chow hall, and there's an SF dude in front of us, and we know he's SF because he's wearing a tan T-shirt, pajama cool. pants, and flip flops. <laughs> uh, and he like, and they're like fucking like, you know, basic like flannel pajama pants, and he's wearing his shower shoes, and he doesn't have his. Guys, wife. I think those guys did that as. as on purpose. Oh, yeah. it's just as like, a, okay, oh, yeah. fuck you. I and, can do whatever. And he you want, didn't yeah. and he didn't have he didn't have his uh his weapon on him or anything. And he gets up like he's right in front of us. And he gets up to the front of the chow line and we see Sergeant Major like his, he takes a big breath like his shoulders go up he goes to do the night start turning finger, and this dude yeah. and this dude who was probably like a staffer or something just like snaps his fingers and he goes I don't fucking work for you and he walks in the show and like and his face is just like red and we're trying not to laugh because you know we do work for him and he can right. make our lives miserable but like, like that dude like yeah I know he was SF because <laughs> he just did what he wanted wow. and it was it was fucking great we had that and then one dude when I was at Carson because there's an SF compound on Carson and he, he had you know, he had his patch on. He's coming out of um, one of the like medical places. We were in line to get one, one of the many vaccines they made us get. And we had this dude in our platoon. His name was Dixon. He was a fucking moron. He would just run his mouth about whatever. We didn't... <clears throat> Yeah, yeah do you need Dixon? I don't know, word? but he would just run his fucking mouth. And he was—we were standing out there, and he was talking about SF for some reason. And he was—he was overweight, and he's just—and he had this like stupid high-pitched voice. And he's talking. And he's like, "I don't give a shit about no special forces." And this dude's walk <laughs> walks past him as he says it, and he stops. And Dixon's in the middle of beating a donut, and the dude just like looks over his shoulder at him. And he's like, "Yeah." keep on eating that donut you fat fuck yeah. see how that works for so you and he walks off and we're just we're just dying and like those are the two instances where I bumped into someone who was SF and it was just, it's, funny, it's just funny the, the ODA guys
1: the, the SF guys that we worked with they never went to Chow Hall you never saw them yeah they had their own compound off yeah you know, and they did their own thing every now and then some of us would get tasked out to go over there and do their bitch work for them and shit you know <laughs> yeah you know and it was right around that time that that ranger video came out you know yeah rangers you will shoot guns you know and there's that one part you know, it was like what about special forces fuck special forces <laughs> so we would always say that when we'd see that know, was what like 08 yeah.
2: yeah I was in college when that came out so in 09
1: <laughs> uh, in 2010 you know, you'd see the you see the SF guy you know, what about special forces <laughs> and the one guy turned around his name was Bella he just turned around and goes
2: fuck special forces <laughs> <laughs> that dude's cool you know? <laughs>
1: you, you'd see him in the gym constantly just crushing it in the gym But yeah man those dudes they were cool they were just cool yeah. right? Like, and they never talked about anything. You know, they talk about regular shit, like what shit and what you did back at Stateside. And I wish I a family, had family or girlfriend or kids. So i I wish like, I tried
2: for it. I had I had a date to go, and then they told me like I had a date that I was going to go to Selection, and then they told me that I was uh, going to PCS to Carson, and I was like, oh, I'll take that. Like yeah. I want to get the fuck out of El Paso, and then I'll go I'll go to Selection once I get to. Carson and then my unit at Carson was a black hole that just sucked people's careers in and that was the end of their army career, so I lost all my motivation. Yeah, that was how it was described to me the day I showed up. They're like, this is the black hole of the army, and I'm like, I don't believe you. And then like a year later <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out. Like this place sucks so bad. But so, I wish I'd I, like I'd I don't know if I would have passed or not. Most people don't,
0: but yeah. I wish I'd tried. That's well, what, something, yeah, seals the, you know, Hell Week, you yeah, know, you hear the recruitment numbers. Well, let me back up. So growing up, reading history books uh, especially you know, come Vietnam era it was like the Green Berets were the thing that the boogeyman looked under his bed for. It's, it's different then, jobs. Right, no, no, I agree. Yeah. But I am saying as a civilian who's never, I've never even yeah. come close to serving, the way that it's been portrayed in popular media was that the Navy Seals were the boogeyman, Vietnam era. Then all of a sudden they became kind of the poster child for recruitment if you will. Uh, For Navy recruitment, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and then Navy Seals were that thing that, do they exist? Do they not exist? Oh, the Frogman, blah, blah, blah. They're the boogeyman. Well, then fast forward, now they seem to be that, you know, they are the recruitment poster shell for SS. But... Delta Force is now a thing that is
2: It's it's not the, called that anymore. It's, it's not been Delta called Delta Force anymore. It was called
0: CAG for a while, yeah. which is
2: close to Action Group. Then it was called Ace. I don't even know what the fuck it's called yeah. anymore.
0: But they're I now had a like
2: I had a squad that, leader yeah. I had a squad leader try out for it and he said it was it's it's what's called a gentleman's course, which means it's not they're yeah, not, not like they're not in your face like fucking screaming and it's not like basic training. He said it was literally like their landav course would be like, Hey, uh so, uh, saddle like this is what a, a saddle's like, you know, <laughs> really? like, so that's what this is. You see that saddle, like, you know, five miles that way, go fucking walk to it. <laughs> he said that was like that was their land navigation. He made it about a week mm-hmm. and he said he woke up the one morning and his legs, like, were just locked stiff, he couldn't walk anymore. Fuck. And so he he failed out. Well, yeah. he had an issue with that where like he was in really good shape, but he'd get to a point where his legs would just quit on him, yeah. Um. So he, yeah, but he, he talked I, about, he made it about a week into, into Delta, or whatever it's called now, I don't know training. Two guys who, who went to selection, neither of them made it. I know, one yeah. that went to selection, he, so he made it, he got fucked later on, but he, he was a Native American, and he was, he was crazy. Like, when he was in Afghanistan, he, uh, he had this idea that he was convinced that there were gems in the mountains. <laughs> like, gems, right? That the, that... He was going to find gems in these caves. So again, he's he's Native American and he's like 100% Native American. He's dark. And he went out the one day in flip-flops, P.T. shorts, and he had a tan t-shirt tied around his head because he's a fucking idiot. And he's in the caves and he comes out and there's an Apache flying around and it sees him and he starts booking it back to the O.P. Oh, and the Apache, because he's brown, oh, and he's God. got a fucking t-shirt on his head and the Apache follows him all the way back. But this dude... So this dude went to Selection, and he fucking, on the land course, he lost he lost something. I don't remember if it was his map or his compass, but he lost yeah, something. He was and, like he was, and he was just like, um, oh man, I think I'm supposed to go that way. And in the star course, which is the land course in Selection, is notoriously difficult. Like, you're walking, like, a couple miles between points, so if you're not dead on like even a little bit of drift you are five degrees off the start you go even one degree off the start and you're way the fuck off because it's just like a post like this big coming out of the ground so if you're not near it you're not going to fucking see it he'd fucking walk for a while he'd find a point and be like oh, I think this is my point so he'd just write it down he did that like three times he passes the fucking star course ends up passing selection and then like two days before he goes to the Q course because the selection selection's four weeks long it's how they weed out most people and then they go to the Q course which is like you know a year and a half two years whatever it is and that's where they do most of their training selections just to weed most people out like two days before going like to the Q
1: like 400 course 400 people go to selection maybe two go through
0: mm-hmm. I think it's more than that. It's, it's not a lot, though. Yeah. But before... You know, the big we, number is thrown around with Navy SEAL Hell week you could, you know, or train... It's, it's like 10% yeah. or something like that.
2: Anyway, this dude's like two days from going to the Q course and he's down at the Pueblo State Fair and as he's leaving he gets pulled over and they breathalyze him and he, and he is over the legal limit and our BC battalion commander was big on, like, kick him the fuck out and then it came back later that they actually did not do it properly when they breathalyzed him and he was not over the legal limit but RBC still didn't give a shit and still kicked him out of the army <laughs> so he got fucked but yeah. that's the one guy I knew who passed selection just by winging it on the fucking land of course because he lost <laughs> his fucking compass yeah
1: that's pretty badass though it was pretty, yeah, pretty badass it yeah. yeah. was pretty badass fucking uh, I think I'm supposed to go this reck- way like you yeah. know dead reckoning yeah, yeah, yeah somewhere
2: in the vicinity I, I am one with the land, land or whatever <laughs> bullshit <laughs> But
0: (laughs) no. What's the what's the? um, If you listen to Andy Stone's podcast, he jokes about you know when you get your seal contract, you it comes with a publisher
2: and a podcast. Yeah,
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, that seems to be the (laughs) The
2: new book deal and a podcast. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
0: well, who was it? Um, Marcinko wasn't he? He's the first one to really write a book coming out of the seals or SF community. I don't remember Dick Marcinko. I think, but oh, yeah. He was the, the
1: first, yeah, Richard Marsenko.
0: Yeah, and then you get uh, you get documentaries with Charlie Sheen, you know, seals. Or was it yeah. Navy SEALs, I think, whatever that movie was fucking titled. Yeah, Whoa. <laughs> They're all carrying MP5s yeah. <laughs> and blows the guy backwards yeah. ten feet when he shoots so, him, dropping him through yeah. the skylight. It's a fucking, it, it's a fucking nine millimeter round. Yeah, it's <laughs> dude, but, yeah. My favorite comment
2: of, uh, of when hes making fun of Jocko. He's always like gets out of bed at like four thirty and he's like, uh, up before the enemy or whatever, and he's like, I want to create my own hashtag that's called up at a reasonable hour. <laughs> <laughs> I can get aboard with that one.
0: But like I was saying with the you know the the seals and now being the poster child, again that's outside you know, popular media, you know, they this is what's really cool. This is what it's all about. Blah blah. Look at these cool clips of these guys running through the mud shooting, you know, full automatic miniguns off these boats. Is it like that? I mean, is there recruitment on the inside for guys that are already in? Do they have the cool posters or the videos or anything like that? Or? I wasn't in the Navy, but no. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes uh, self so like rangers for, for army.
1: For, rangers they, are they don't really recruit that hard the Rangers don't need to recruit.
2: You get a lot of volunteers. Who I had a I had a contract to go out uh, for about three days in basic training that was one of the one of the first times that the green weenie you know fucking slammed its way up my ass um, cause I I had I think I had I had a 299 PT score in basic training I remember because um I ran like a 1308 or something and our drill sergeant was like... It was the highest score in the platoon. And the drill sergeant's like, really? You couldn't just get a 300? Start pushing. And he smoked the fuck out of me because I got a 299 <laughs> instead of a 300. You know, nobody else who got worse <laughs> than me got smoked. But I I got smoked. So I had that. And then, like, my my GT score was, was really fucking high. So they were like, do you want to go to RASP, which is the Ranger, I think it's Ranger Assessment and Selection Program yeah. or something like that. It's the it's the equivalent of selection for SF, and I was like, fuck yes, I want to go to RASP. So I wrote letters to, to my wife, to my parents, was like, I'm going to be here a few months longer, because that's also held at Fort Benny. Like, I'm going to RASP, fuck yes, and like three days later, they're like, oh... Yeah, never mind. We didn't actually get those slots. So you're not going. I'm like, (laughs) Motherfucker! Yeah. So,
1: Ranger school is almost a prerequisite now for officers or...
2: or, For for ranger... For ranger. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so if you're going to be an officer in the United States Army, so you'll go from... Especially if you're infantry. If you're infantry, you have to go to ranger school. And if you don't pass, you're not going to be in the infantry for very much longer.
2: Um, I did have an officer who had not passed. It's rare. He... Well... (laughs) So he didn't pass because him and a staff sergeant got into it on... It was pretty far in. It. I think it was swamp phase. And um, they, like... Because he was, he was a bit of a hothead. And he punched the staff sergeant in the face. And then we're like, did you win the fight? And he's like, no, he beat the fuck out yeah. of me. I <laughs> like I got one good punch in. And, like, I hit him good. And then he beat the fuck out of me. But because he instigated it and because he was the officer, yeah. they failed him out and yeah. then they let the sail sergeant pass. Yeah. So we, we gave him a bunch of shit for that, but I don't know if they let him stay infantry just because of his because of the circumstances to that, but Yeah, he, Ranger School was almost he was like a good so if beginning. you
0: pass Ranger School you're pretty much guaranteed you're gonna stay in you have the opportunity to go to get your commission, I assume. No, I mean
1: you will know, have your commission before you go to Ranger School. Yeah. I, mean, I think they go to they go to O C S and then you got a class the what um, you're going to commission in so infantry guys will go to IBOLIC infantry officer basic leadership course yeah. um, and then once they pass that I think they, they go to command school or is that no they either go to ranger school
2: yeah
1: you know, I think so You know, or I think they have to have I want to say air salt or airborne one of the two or maybe both they really got to do those schools at some point in their career if you're going to stay in the infantry but ranger school is, is is a foregone conclusion. If you're an officer, if you're enlisted, um,
2: you got to get a slot. Like he was talking, it's hard. It's very hard to do. Well, you that got was to, you got that was learn. for RASP. So so RASP and ranger school are two different things. Um, true. That is ranger true. school gets you a, a tab on your shoulder that says Ranger on it and it means you you know sucked it up for two months and dealt with one of the hardest schools in the military but it, it doesn't, doesn't world, get it doesn't get you into a Ranger battalion that's RASP which is, which actually gets you into a Ranger battalion. battalion um there's I've heard it both ways that like if you go through RASP without a Ranger tab and you get to a Ranger battalion and you don't have that tab they will make your life absolute <laughs> fucking hell until you get a tab um but so they're
1: very, they're very par- Rangers are different they're especially when it comes to Ranger stuff, they're very particular. They're very protective of that tab and you know,
2: But when we say ranger thing, like
1: with women getting through and stuff like that, there was all yeah. that stuff that happened with that and when, when well, we say ranger school,
2: we're talking about the tab. Sure. Um, yeah. So anyone can do that, and that's that's hard to get slots for too. I had at least three different times where I, I was going through, I went through the paperwork, like I was building up to it, and then it was, and then it came down to our, we just don't have the slots. Um, and then I eventually just lost motivation after they fucked me like three times. So. It even if even to get freaking... Yeah, you know, considered for a slot is pretty freaking
1: kind yeah. of a big deal, especially within units because a lot of the regular line units won't they don't get a lot of them. A lot of the guys that I saw had Ranger written into their contract Yeah, coming out of basic. So they were going straight from basic training straight to Ranger school, you know. Either that or they're going air assault, and then they were going to Ranger school, you know. So yeah. it's 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 a big deal, but it's it is the most difficult um, small unit leadership course in the world, in my opinion. And people die going to that school. Uh,
2: it's it's no joke. So uh, I'll put it to put it in perspective. When I ran into Neil, who's my my buddy who's in the in the, in the seals, when I ran into him after coming back from Afghanistan and blessed, we talked. You know, we sat there and talked for like an hour, and I'd mentioned that, you know, I was, I was trying really hard to go to ranger school. And he's like, oh man, that fucking sucks. <laughs> and this is a man who's been through buds. Like, just to put that into perspective, like, ranger school fucking sucks. I sab- know sappers like to uh, look at my tab uh, sapper school's harder
1: we, <laughs> yeah, call we call it a there. crapper we call it a crapper tab <laughs> for a reason
2: yeah. if I bring Lieutenant Lieutenant Pfeiffer on here eventually he was he has a sapper tab and I gave him a ton of shit for it the only other school I heard that was like really
1: a, very challenging like be compared to it that the Rangers were kind of like oh yeah it was the Rams at the Mountain Warfare School that they have mm-hmm. in Vermont and I only saw one guy in my career in 20 years who had that yeah. I saw a ton of Rangers, but I only saw one guy who other Rams had. Yeah. And apparently that is a, a an extremely difficult school. Yeah. You know, but I, I I had no ambition to go to that. Basically, you lose toes
2: when you go to that because you're going to get frostbite. You know. But, sniper um, Sniper school is a tough one. Ooh, I, uh, I, t- I turn oh, I actually turned that down, which I I still regret. Yeah. I mean, there were four of us that tried out for our um, for the sniper section of our battalion, and I was one of the three that got picked. But I was supposed to go to WLC, which is the Warrior Leadership Course for sergeants. That at the same time they wanted to send me to sniper school so I was like uh no just take the other guy instead out of the four and like I'll do WLC and then I'll come over well they never opened up spots again so I, I yeah that was a lesson learned <laughs> which is why when I got offered a new job that paid you know almost 20% more I was like I'm I, you know I've learned my lesson with turning things down it was fun I mean we went out to the field and worked on stocks for a few days and I learned that I'm pretty good at stocking it was fun you have to, so when you do stocks for, for snipers, they, you have to get in a position where you can see the, uh, mm-hmm. so the, the, the guys who it, have like. So
1: He's, he's talking about S T A yeah, L K stocks. Yeah. 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 Not
2: stocking, really. Yeah, yeah. But you'll have a couple guys who I know in sniper school, because I, I had a, a good friend who was an instructor at sniper school for three years, and they'd sit in the back of a pickup truck with the high-powered binos looking for people. You have to get in a position where you can you can see them and identify them without them spotting you. If they spot you, they'll call a spotter who's got this giant flag, and he puts himself within like 15 feet of you, and they try to walk him on to your position. Like they'll they tell him you know walk five paces forward you know turn ninety degrees to your right whatever they try to get him on top of you and if he can do that and he and they get him on top of you you're out so you have to get in position you have to notionally fire which means you have to yell firing a bunch of times and then they'll hold up a like a letter number combo and you have to correctly identify it. Because if, you know, some people will be like where they can kind of see him. They're like hiding behind a fucking boulder or something. So that's how they weed those that kind of shit out. And then at that point, the spotter puts himself within 15 feet of you and they get a chance to walk him on. And if they can't do it then, then you have to get out without them spotting you. And that's the hard part because now they know kind of where you're at. And I think the first one I did, I found a bush. In, in Colorado, when we were in Colorado we had these huge bushes and I got like underneath it under the lowest branches and I climbed up into the middle of the bush and set the, the 2010 which is the sniper rifle on a Y branch they could fucking see me clearly but I was inside the bush <laughs> so I took the shot and they're like we can see that motherfucker and they're trying to walk the spotter onto me but because I was inside of this massive bush they couldn't get the spotter <laughs> and I could hear them over the radio like fuck that motherfucker I can see him the spotter's like and they can't help they can't help the instructors at all. The spotter can't. And they'll, they'll try to kind of assist you if they can. Mm-hmm. So he's like, they don't want to like clearly make it look like they're stepping over you kind of thing. Because that'll give you away. So he's like, so he's not telling them. He's just like, nope, I'm not on him. And they're like, I can see you on top of him. He's like, you know, six feet behind me. Because he's outside <laughs> the bush. And I had to wait. They nailed some other dude who was trying to exfil after he took a shot. And when they did that, I just like dropped to the ground and laid there for like probably a half hour before I moved again. That, that shit's fun I, I really enjoy that I wish I I wish I had actually taken that opportunity because that was that was a lot of fun so the, the hard part about sniper school from
1: what I understood is like the shooting um, the shooting because you have to have your friend your spotter there with yeah. you and they got to do all their math and you're tied your and you're tied together and you're tied together yep. so if your spotter is not really good at it
2: yeah you know the spotter is harder you, the spotter is a is harder than the shooter the spotter has to do all the math, you have to figure out windage, and then you're just basically putting those commands into the scope, and you're pulling the trigger. So, so spotter is the hard part. And leading up to spotter
0: sniper spot, are you both going through the same school, or is it a Yeah, you, I mean, you both have to do both roles, okay. yeah. Yeah, but
1: so like a, one of the... If, if your spotter goes through and passes his shooting, and you spotted for him, you did all your math right. You got him to pass, but then you flip-flop it, and he's not very good at it, you'll fail,
2: not him. That's what happened. One of the three guys who ended up going failed out for that reason. For that reason, yeah. Yeah, he he got... Screwed over by the spotter. He got screwed over by the spotter. So...
3: Fuck.
2: It happens. On a lighter note. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: But, yeah, well, I suppose we're pushing... Uh, there's a lot of good, here. yeah. I have to say, there's a lot of good
2: schools, and I would say any you know anyone who listens who wants to, uh, you know, is looking to go into the military, like, take advantage of that shit, because I did not, and it's like one of the few regrets that I have with my career is that I didn't take advantage of, especially sniper school, because that one I had in front of me. Ranger school, I just got fucked. Wasn't really... My fault, but sniper school I could have done. Um, if you get those opportunities in front of you, just take them.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of them will yeah, suck, it. but take. Don't them. listen <laughs> to the, the social justice woke bullshit that's freaking going on in the army or any <laughs> of the branches right now. Be a killer, because yeah, that's what that's, it takes. You, you got to be a freaking, got to have some killer instinct in there involved. Yeah. I will. I will. But that's
2: say, in my personal personal politics. So. I, I will say that, like, I don't hold anyone's like background against them no. or I don't hold any anyone's like you know whatever whatever your sexual orientation is whatever you want to call yourself I don't give a shit but I will say that the army's newest like line of recruiting is ridiculous is whack <laughs> like you watch what was the commercial um, what was the commercial where the one the the girl's talking about her two moms, yeah, and she just keeps saying it. And yeah. she's the first time, and I'm like, "That's awesome! Like, I'm glad you had two loving parents because a lot of people don't." And I'm very happy for you. But then she just keeps talking about it, and I'm like, "How does this inform your like?" how you are as a soldier like like i was saying before everyone comes from everyone comes from different backgrounds in the army and no one gives a shit where you came from like they care about how you perform as a soldier and yeah if, you can, pass standard, up if you can pass the standards right or exceed the standards I don't give a
1: fuck if you got two moms. Right. You know, I I give a we, how Well, you're going to be able to do your job. We had you're we had a, we had guys
2: yeah. we had guys who were openly gay. Yeah,
1: we. Every, and no even, one gave a every fuck every because single, they were great
2: performers. Every no single
1: fucking unit out there
2: had gay dudes. And it was actually kind of it was place. actually kind of heartwarming because I had a guy uh, I had another E five who I was talking to at one point and he's like you know I used to be really homophobic. It's like I used to be, but like working with I'm, I'm blanking on his name because he was in another pr- platoon. I think it was Duran. It's like working with working with Duran for like the last year. Like I realized that like maybe that was kind of a stupid position for me to take.
1: Seen, you know, I've seen it. it was just kind of nice. I've seen it where really the rank and file freaking embrace it almost. You know, it's like yeah, and like the gay dude like. Was was telling regular
2: straight soldiers, you know, even if you were gay, I would not date you because you're ugly as fuck. Yeah, that's always weird when they're like, oh, they're gonna come after me, and like, no, they're not. Nobody wants you. Like, women don't want you. Why would guys want you? you?
1: (laughs) The thing is, it, it. Especially infantry dudes, if we can find one single thing to pick on you about, we're going to pick on you. Oh, right? yeah. You know? Oh, so yeah. So, an openly gay dude who came in, it was like, yeah, I'm gay. You know? everybody's like, I oh, don't know. I have nothing to pick on you about. You know? <laughs> and if you admit it, you know, it's, right. like, it's more fun when you deny it. You know? Hey, gay yeah, dudes. I, like, I, you know? And, it, like, it, and Sanchez was fucking awesome, man. Because he, he, he was... Yeah, you know, Maybe if we put a dress on you and some makeup, maybe. Like, <laughs> well, then why don't you just go for girls? Nah, you don't have the right plumbing. You know? well, you know, but Sanchez, he, he would pass his PT test 300. He's you know, Anything that you asked of him,
2: he would freaking That's down. That's you know? all most people care about. And I will say the same thing. The same thing goes for women like I like when they announced yeah. that they were letting women in the infantry I was like good like it, I've met I know female soldiers that could very well do my job yeah. the problem that I have more of us is, is like how the army's going to implement it lowering the standards yeah. because it's going to be because what's going to happen because men you know biologically I know people get mad at me for saying this nowadays but men and women are built differently like men have higher bone density we you know the average man can take more physical punishment than the average woman that's just you know evolution that's how we're built uh, so you send people through basic training, a higher percentage of men are going to pass than women. And if that's just what happened, that'd be fine. But the Army's going to look at that and be like, well, 60% of men are, I'm just spitballing numbers here. This doesn't mean anything. Like, well, 60% of men are passing only 40% of women. So we got to change the standard so that 60% of women pass. So now you have 20% of those women that shouldn't like that extra 20% shouldn't have passed yeah. is what's going to happen. And to be, to be, to be fair, this shit was already happening before they started letting women in. There were a lot of men that, that I true. served with who should not have been in the fucking infantry. That is true. Um, but it's, it's only going to, and that, that and like the, they t- there are some things that they do get preferential treatment on, particularly when it comes to hygiene things. And I get that it's, it, they have different requirements, but that shit has to be equal. It has to be equal, otherwise you're gonna you're gonna end up with resentment. Like we had one. Resentment causes more problems in the yeah. freaking unit than anything else. We had one female on on our cop. She was the PA, the, you know physical. What the fuck does that stand for? Like doctors, but physician's assistant, yes. got, assistant. Yeah, So she was a captain. She was a physician's assistant. She was the lead medical person. They would fly her back to get showers. The rest of us went two and a half months without a shower. <laughs> You see that shit all the time,
1: yeah. but it breeds
2: resentment and resentment. And, and again, freedom. I fully understand mm-hmm. that as a female, her hygiene requirements are very different, and she cannot go two and a half months without showering, or she's going to have some fucking issues. But the problem is when you have that difference in how people are treated, it breeds resentment. Even if, even if there is a logical. Explanation for it, which there was, it's going to breed resentment. And while I agree with the fact that women should be in the infantry, I don't think the fucking army is going to handle it well because I've been in the army.
1: It's the army, yeah, <laughs> How do we know. Um, Look, it'd be highly hypocritical for for it, it, I'm the father of three daughters, and I, I got would, two. I would never ever right. tell my girls you cannot do something because you're a girl. You know, nope. I would never ever tell them that, and it'd be freaking the height of hypocrisy you know. and I would never tell anyone you can't do something because you're a girl you can't do something because you can't maintain the standard this is the standard and this has been you know, we've ironed this out over uh, how many wars you want to go through you know starting with the revolutionary war you know there's reasons why we have those standards they're put there for a reason you know yep and if we
2: cannot maintain that standard and I have met women who could do it oh yeah I have met women we, who could do it and who could do it well we, we, we tried to we tried to flip one out because we had this guy who was you know scrawny and awful and we had yeah. for some reason we were shooting with some of the pugs in our battalion and this one redheaded chick shot really well and my squad leader's like can we trade Blaine for her yeah. like, can we just have her like <laughs> obviously that didn't happen but it's, Blaine it's, was super pissed yeah. but you know it's,
1: it's getting to my point I've seen yeah. more men who could not do it this is true you know and
2: I, th- I think and that's just... it's,
1: it's a detriment because the army strives to keep those men in in place whereas we don't really freaking strive to say okay women this is the standard yeah hit it if, as long if, as, as long if long they you want to break, you wanna break the ceiling Here's a standard. One standard. Break it. You know, and they, I think that's what we should be doing, and we don't. We lower the standard, and so that lo- that lets allows substandard soldiers to
2: to be in where they shouldn't. That's going to cost? A lot of substandard rise, men. You know, to be fair. A lot fair. of substandard. A men. lot of su- and that was I, I I still remember it at basic training. We had he wasn't in he wasn't in my platoon. <coughs> but we had we had two drill sergeants above the rest who were fucking brutal. One was in my platoon. Got a lot of people to quit. Um, I've probably talked about him before. The Russian dude, uh, Drill Sergeant Kaluzny, was a fucking psychopath. But we had one other drill sergeant in our in our company who was awful. Um, Hodges, I think his name was. And at one point, he came in. He was. It was. We were farther along in basic training, so he. It was when they only had one drill sergeant at night. And he was the only one on and he was fucking wasted. <laughs> right. And he dragged the whole company out there and he and he basically like in his, you know, highly inebriated state, was like, The reason I'm so hard on you and he told us a story that he was in fucking Iraq. And his, his best friend was, a, was another squad leader, was a staff surgeon, and he had a private who was fucking sucking wind because he wasn't in shape. And so they stopped so he could take weight out of this private's pack and put it in his pack. And while they were stopped, he got shot in the head by a fucking sniper because this private was weak. And he was like, that's why I'm hard on you. He's like, I don't want anyone to die because somebody that I passed through basic training was weak. And that's, and that's true. Like, bad privates and like, weak privates are like drunk drivers. They don't get themselves killed. They get everyone around them killed. And the way the Army, like, I, I haven't been in it a few years, but the way I've watched the Army going and, like, this whole, like, trying to be as kind and friendly to people as possible is going to get a lot of fucking people killed, which is way worse than hurting some people's feelings. Correct. You know, I what? yeah. I, that's just, you cannot treat... And I get in, you know, our overall society not hurting people's feelings because you know nobody should ever be fucking made to feel like they're less because of who they are, right? The army's just like the military's just different, man. The you can't. Needs to be yeah. You cannot. You can't take feelings into account at, if, at any point. If entering into a profession that the sole purpose is to kill other human beings. Yeah. At
1: okay. that point. You have to come to that realization and then you have to say, I'm sorry, your personal feelings are not relevant in this respect. We need tough men who are willing to kill people while you (laughs) sleep. Or or tough women. We need tough people, let me put it that way. We need rough people who are willing to kill other people while you sleep peacefully in your bed at night. Right? Don't care what and color you don't are. Don't what care. It doesn't matter color. It doesn't matter creed. doesn't matter gender.
2: What, it doesn't, doesn't matter what you call yourself. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, doesn't
1: matter. A woman can pull a trigger. Look at, look at the Russians, the, the Soviet freaking snipers during World War II. Yeah, They were fucking lethal. Well, statistically then. women are better shots than men are. Right? Yeah,
0: they were fucking lethal. Yeah. You know? I know a lot of historians credit the Russians to beating back especially in Stalingrad. Yeah. Especially
1: in Stalingrad. Yeah, you are to those those female snipers. I mean, yeah they, they're mm-hmm. just well, there's I no that, there's no me. freaking reason out there to say that a freaking a woman can't kill better yeah. than a man simply because she's a woman. Give me a break, man. The, the history is freaking it, there's full of examples in the history of women you could do just that you know some of them were very good at it you know it's, it's, it's the highest opinion you got yeah, the
2: most married woman right yeah, most married right yeah. <laughs> uh, Kelly's never going to watch this so <laughs> <I'm fine>. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> anyways I got to wrap things up you guys yeah <laughs> absolutely
0: yeah, we're pushing two well. hours here so again appreciate you guys coming back it's nice to actually I think this is the first episode you guys have been yeah this is the first time we've together. been face to
1: face
2: yeah
0: next time we get together you're going to have your books with you yeah I haven't read it's
2: in the car I brought yeah. it I read chapter one this morning
0: notes so oh, yeah, God, yeah. I, I have notes you know scattered throughout this whole thing and uh it'll be fun but. yeah
1: wanna do my homework for me
0: yeah <laughs> On that uh thanks everyone for tuning in this week and uh we'll catch you guys whenever we can get back together again cheers see ya Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in this week. And each and every other week, uh, This, whether you're checking out on audio-only platform or you're watching on the YouTube channel, I really do appreciate it. Make sure you keep up to future guests and live recordings, new episodes, and make sure to follow the show on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind Podcast. And, of course, many of you have asked me, how can you help out? If you'd be so kind, head over to Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, Facebook, wherever you're listening, and drop a five-story view on there. Make sure to leave a comment let me know what you think about the show. And if you like the show, if you'd be so kind, uh, share it to your friends and family on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, um, not on Twitter, but you can more, certainly more than welcome to post on there. It really does help me out. You can also go check out the new website. It's rules of the arena podcast.com, and there is a tab for No Story Left Behind on there. Make sure you go check that out. There are new sweatshirts, tank tops. I got phone cases, laptop cases, all sorts of cool stuff. If you over there. And don't forget to check out my other show called Rules of the Arena Podcast. You can find that on Facebook and Instagram at at Rules of the Arena Podcast. And all episodes are released on their separate feed wherever you find your favorite shows. And all, cho- all episodes are on the ROA channel on YouTube. There is a playlist for NSLB. Just go ahead and click on there if you want to check it out. And if you have any questions, con- concerns, show ideas, or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to shoot me an email, gordon at blindninjastudios.com. Rules of the Arena and No Stray Left Behind are produced by Blind Ninja Studios. Make sure to follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Blind Ninja Studios and on Twitter at Blind underscore Ninja. Thank you again, everyone, and I will catch you next week.